Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. everybody and welcome in to the penny bloom podcast today we continue our director spotlight and top off wes anderson 11 films in the filmography today we cover the 11th his newest asteroid city Limited released June 16th, 2023. Wide released June 23rd, 2023. Written by Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola. Directed by Wes Anderson. I am Colton Robertson and I am joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here and we we made it. We're here. We made it. We did. And the payoff was immense. Mm. Uh, let's, Let's start this mostly spoiler free. Um, because this is the first time we're talking about a brand new movie, you know, this, this is true. This got a wide release a few days ago. You know, this isn't, uh, this isn't one that's been out for years that we're like, ah, if you've seen it, you've seen it. If you haven't, you haven't, you know, like, uh, no, we're, mm-hmm. this is brand new and we, we hope you will see it. We do. We, uh, me and Joe just had the pleasure yesterday of, uh, taking the old ladies on a double date mm-hmm. out to see asteroid city. And, oh. uh, what a, what a movie, what a movie. Like I, uh, I was going into it high, high expectations. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're ten Wes Anderson movies behind us in recent weeks. The last five weeks, we've covered Wes Anderson movies two times a week. Ten movies, five weeks. It's it's all building up to this, and uh, right before I went in there, I was like, God, do I tamper expectations a bit? You know, like, uh, what, what, where, where should my head be at? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I think it's going to be good. I, I, my expectations were met. You know, I thought that they were, uh, I thought mm-hmm. that Astro City was an extremely good movie. And, uh, I'm very happy coming out the other side. What are your, what are your instant yeah. thoughts? I mean, I was, I was in the same place. You know, we're watching everything Wes has ever come out with, and, and it seems that his craft has been getting better and better over time. He knows the movies he wants to make more and more as time, you know, goes on. And I think that still holds true. Um, I think it, like, there's aspects of all of his movies in this one. Like, and that was the same with, like, French Dispatch. I remember saying that there's just so, like, it seems that he's been, Maybe not working towards this, you know, maybe like he's not like been waiting to release Asteroid City or something like that. Like, that's not what I mean. But like, you can tell that he's just learned a lot through making movies and like whether it's this has been his vision the whole time. I don't know. But like, finally, we've gotten to a place where it seems that this is straight from his brain. Almost. I don't know. This was very, very clearly him in. And yeah, I loved it. Like they're just the the use of stop motion a little bit in there. Was yeah, really a little, cool. little puppetry, a little puppetry uh-huh. was cool. Yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, it, 
if if you like Wes Anderson, you'll like this movie. You know, like I can't I can't imagine you won't. Especially I think especially if you liked French Dispatch. There's a uh, there's a connection and something I've noticed online in the recent days where if you liked French Dispatch, you'll almost certainly like anything Wes Anderson does. True. I feel like uh, French Dispatch was probably his most polarizing film. Certainly was. Maybe Asteroid City is now. I don't know. I'll have to like see what time, like see what time does with it. But yeah, said- no, it'll be interesting. But like a lot of the little reviews I saw was like, uh, well, that's that's two misses in a row. You know, there there are people, and not not a lot. That's a minority opinion, I think. Mm. But um, there are people who think that there there are people who think French Dispatch followed by Asteroid City, uh, even preceded by Isle of Dogs. It's a, it's a cold run. Like he's on he's on a streak of weaker movies. And they want him to get back to Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Darjeeling sort of vibes. And, uh, you know, I think those, those movies had their place and I absolutely adore them, but he's evolving as a filmmaker and he's making the movies he wants to make. And at what point do you just go like, I, the best thing you can do with the West movie is let go and just let it happen, yeah. you know? Um, totally. because this one, I was just sitting in the theater with a giant fucking smile on my face for most of it. You know, just just because it's truly funny. It had the comedy yeah. of Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums and stuff like that. Like when those moments were funny, they were fucking funny. You know, like it, Asteroid City had some good ass comedy, but it, it, it in classic West fashion, it does the thing where it sneaks up on you. And at the end, you're kind of like, wow, this was a lot more hard hitting than I'd anticipated it to be. You're yeah. introduced to characters with tragedy, and you you watch them mm-hmm. cope with it. Uh, very, very Wes Anderson. You know, like it had all the bones of your typical Wes Anderson film, and he always manages to take all those things and make something new, which is mm-hmm. bizarre. I don't know how you can remix the stuff he does every single time, but like he does it, and it's it's impeccably well done. Yeah, I remember after we were walking out of the theater and just kind of. I had to pee so bad, so that was like kind of the only thing on my mind initially was right yeah. after. But then after that was all done, um, walking back out and hearing like kind of the chatter that was going around, people yeah, talking about it like out there. There was this uh, like group of older people, like I mean, like I don't know, maybe sixties, seventies, uh, right. if I had to guess. Um, and they were like, "That that was funny." Like they were like, "That was really really funny," and yeah. like they had a lot of old timey humor. In there, you know, I guess it's set in the fifties, you know, well, yeah, and it's also like kind of a uh, riff on nineteen yeah. fifties B movies, like uh, yeah. War of the Worlds type shit, you know. Which I guess I haven't really seen a lot of those movies, so I don't like. Right. I guess I get the the kind of general idea, and like I got that it was sort of like a like a a parody or riff or whatever you want to call that, but like I, um, I mean, I w- I still found it hilarious. Like it it oh, was yeah. it was so enjoyable. Um, and that's like, yeah, I, I can't like go back to the Royal Tenenbaums. Like, I, I don't know if like people want them to go back to like the comedy and like, that's what they want out of those movies. Or if it's just because those movies are a little simpler to understand on first watch, I think, I you think know, they're like, also, they're, they're just simpler overall, you know, like, uh, yeah. one of the things that I noticed in recent days and my anticipation of the film, I wasn't shying away from like reading reviews and stuff uh, because mm-hmm. the the earliest reviews I saw was like, there's no real way to spoil asteroid city. 
you know, and I, I agree with that now. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't really think there is like we could like the only way I could talk about is like the emotional payoff at the very, very end and that I can avoid talking about. Um, but something that I saw was that people want him to get back to making movies about one character instead of like giving everyone in the cast a story that, that pays off. Um, hmm. And I, 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 you know, I think that we explore characters like Max Fisher and Rushmore and uh, Royal Tenenbaum and Steve Zissou a lot more singularly than we probably do Augie Steenbeck. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a detriment to Asteroid City. I think it's and also like I saw that critique and I was like, well, then what were you? What were you getting out of Bill Murray and Rushmore and I don't know, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelica Houston, yeah, all these characters in Royal Tenenbaums. I'm like, th- th- these movies have always kind of been about more than one person. Yeah, it's like kind of his strength is that no matter who you see on screen, no matter how small of a character they are, like most of their details, if not like a shit ton of them are thought out. And like, it's like a character that you wouldn't even think about in another movie is like has a whole backstory to them or like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, their personality or so, like, I don't know. I think that's only a strength to it. Like, especially in this movie where the cast is so stacked and like you just have so much talent on this movie and just allowing people just to go and like just act and and i I think the format of this movie without getting into that like helps with that like it just being about acting a little bit you know already is like kind of like there's this meta like yeah there's this play within a play yeah and uh, almost like a documentary play production that's like so for those who haven't seen it, it would help to kind of set this up, you know, like uh, just True. get it clear in your head, at least as I understand it, because I do have some grappling to do with it as far as what the structure actually means to the characters in the film. Mm. Um, there's a lot of there's a black and white portion that's probably about 30 percent of the movie, um, and that's. It starts in that format with Brian Cranston narrating for you, kind of explaining what's going on. Um, and what he says is that it's a dramatized version of the real events that created the play Asteroid City. So they, so in black and white, they're doing a play about making the play that you see in color. And there's act breaks. It's like act one, scenes one through three, act one, scenes four through eight or whatever the fuck. And they keep they do that throughout the film all the way up until act three when it just says act three, no interruptions. It just mm. runs all the way through because you you need that to play all the way through back to back to back to back. But uh, I saw some people in, in some reviews saying that the black and white cuts were taking away from the movie. And they were like, I wish I could have just stayed in Asteroid City the whole time. And I was The like, biggest emotional payoff is in black and white. I know. So I, I feel like I, I really do think that people are like, because I kind of thought the same thing. I thought the whole movie was going to be like in Asteroid City. Like I didn't yeah, have yeah, yeah. of the production side or the black and white parts. And like, so I went in thinking like, oh, we're going to get a really colorful, like, 
alien story, whatever. Yeah, when it kicked know. off in black and white, you're like, oh, I had no idea what we were about to get into. Oh, okay. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. And, but I, yeah, I don't think it, it took away. It was like, it was very, I love the format. Like, I, I really like the, the jumping back and forth and, and kind of like, it keeps you on your toes more. And then like, for act three, you know, it like, when it being like, to be played relentlessly without stop or whatever, you know, you're kind of mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It, like it, it kind of, and they still seamlessly tie the black and white together with the color. So like it's, it's an incredible. I like. I can't wait to see this movie a second time. You know, yeah. like, uh, and I will. I this is going yeah. to be the first movie of 2023 where I, I will repeatedly visit the theater to see this movie. Um, mm. I might go a couple more times this week. Even you know, like that's uh, that's kind of where I'm at, and. I I absolutely adored it. So let's uh let's do a little bit of a just a spoiler free review of the film itself instead of sort of the ideas surrounding the film. I thought that the uh the color palette of this film is immaculate and that's something you can pick up from the trailer. Oh. Um and it's something that Wes Anderson is always heralded for and everyone's always like, "Oh, he's got such a such an interesting vibe." But he's always managed to switch it up and this doesn't look like any of his films before. You know, and it's it still mm-hmm. fits what you expect of Wes Anderson, which is, again, you know, him doing his thing, but somehow always changing it enough to make it fresh and make it new, which I will always appreciate. And I thought this movie did incredible at that. It does play with that. like uh, its best comparison truly is the French dispatch in terms of formatting. You know, uh, that, mm-hmm. that sort of like, here's part of the story. We're going to cut to this part of the story. Here's part of the story. We're going to cut back to this. And it's this back and forth sort of, uh, structure that I think Wes Anderson has a really good grasp on and he does a very good job handling. It's never jarring. It's never confusing. It always feels like it comes at the right spot. Um, the performances are incredible. Um, uh, Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson shine. Oh, yeah, uh, dude. yeah, that was. I mean, it was just all around. Everything was firing. Like on, like all my West. You know, everything I love about West was was going off. Like the color palette, the shots mm-hmm. are just beautiful. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's an enjoyable movie. If you literally are dead, like if you don't even listen to a word and you don't even hear anything, it's good enough just visually just to, to look at. Like, yeah, it is, it is that satisfying. And then. Like also getting, you know, I, I it's I'm still trying to like piece together this this back and forth, and if I have it completely correct or not. But regardless, if I have it correct or not, I think that's the point of what all he's trying to do. He is trying hmm. to get you to think and to just talk. Yeah, like he doesn't want. He, I feel he doesn't like want it to be obvious. Different. Yeah, I feel like everyone could get something. Else, like something different out of this movie. Uh, there's there's some bigger points that are that are that he's trying to make with the the back and forth and stuff like that. But then just in the story of Asteroid City itself, there's a lot of like smaller theme points that are hit on, like just through characters and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Which is, I don't know, just really. It was a really dynamic movie having the jump back and forth, and then you know just like having just so many credible actors in every single part of the movie. Like it was, it's insane how every single like scene has just someone huge. Like, I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's just, I'm trying to think of a scene. Maybe it's just the kids 
Like when it's just the kids in their tent where there's not yeah. anyone that is that prominently like huge in Hollywood. Right. Uh, but I mean, everyone was acting their ass off and, and the kids fired on all cylinders too, man. That's what I, I don't want to say they were bad. Yeah, they weren't. Um, no. Yeah. By any means. And that, that's one of the cool things about, uh, the first timers here, you know, the, the, because Wes Anderson, he loves to dip his toe back into the, back into the bag for the people he's worked with before. Um, for example, Brian Cranston, I know he's worked with Brian Cranston in an animated film, but Brian Cranston has never appeared in live action in a Wes Anderson movie, which is a different vibe, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, and I thought he played that role to perfection. Just the <laughs> host of this, this television show, uh, uh, the, the kid who played Dinah, Grace Edwards, mm. uh, she was, she was incredible. Scarlett Johansson as a first time Wes Anderson Whoa. appearance. Yo, she got all the Wes Anderson vibes perfectly. She she captured that shit on the dot. This might be my favorite thing I've ever seen Scarlett Johansson do. Um, it, it just gave everyone a chance to shine, and I think that's like whenever people were like wanting to go back to the single character stories and like or more single character focused stories. Like I'm like, what are you watching here? Like, are 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 we, are we watching the same movie here where we just hmm. get a chance to see? everyone go crazy in their role like there's a there's a time for everyone in this movie it seems you know well, like I, I think that's part of the point of this movie you mm -hmm. know like uh it's about it's about people you know like it's not literally about any one person it's about humans and their experience with yeah. life you know like uh the the things they go through how they deal with trauma such as an alien coming down from space and seeing them for a second and being like, Oh, or, or your wife dying and you having to tell your kids and, and all this stuff. Like it's, it's about how you deal with the things that happened in your life and how you push forward after that. And I mean, that, that's, that's kind of what every Wes Anderson movie is about. You know, you think to the grand Budapest hotel with, uh, with zero Mustafa, you know, how, do, how do you reckon with the loss of, with the loss of, uh, a gener a generation past uh, the the loss of your country the loss of you know your your love and your child you mm -hmm. know like uh how do you go forward and he's like i just do you know like that's that's the french dispatch the last the last line in the movie that you actually hear after arthur howitzer has, has passed is what comes next mm. Yeah. You know, it's like, a, how, how do we go forward? And that's kind of what this entire movie deals with. And that's why I uh, you'll you'll never catch me being like ah this one just this one just didn't hit for me you know like it did it absolutely did and uh, yeah. uh I, I mean like I said I'll be I'll be heading back to the theater multiple times to see this one yeah, it's it's only gonna get more like as it, as the movie gets clearer and clearer and like because there will be things that I, I guarantee that'll happen way earlier in the movie that we'd thought nothing of that are going you know that mm. that obviously show and so some foreshadowing or something of the sort I, I don't know um like one example i couldn't really pull anything off there right now like I, I was trying to notice like things like that like in this first watch but i was just kind of blown away while watching. there's there's that, like, one that i really enjoyed um and it was one, one that i was like oh well that's gonna come around as soon as soon as someone said it's like well that's that's obviously gonna come back around when they uh it's when they're in black and white and it's Adrian Brody's character talking to his wife, his soon-to-be ex-wife, you know, the 
whole like, uh, uh, oh, I thought these were divorce papers. And he's like, uh, well, they're not. Not yet. They might be eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, whenever he's like, she's like, all right, my, my thoughts are you should at the end of act three, scene five. Have Midge Campbell shut the door and then deliver her line. Uh, and then seeing that later on in the film, it, it was in a it was in a powerful moment was just like, oh, shit. Yeah, like uh, it's, it's a cool little pull through that i appreciate him being able to you know t- tell you what he's gonna do without telling you what he's gonna do which is you know he's like you don't know the you don't know the scene yet you don't know what's happening you just know that at some point she'll shut the door and then deliver her line you know like and that's uh that's cool that's cool shit man and uh it's uh it, it was a powerful powerful movie and uh you know the more just, i think about it the better it gets it just hit me and maybe I'm thinking too deep into this, but I think it's kind of, I don't know, it's what he's sort of getting at with this whole meta play within a play thing. So obviously what we're seeing in Asteroid City, full color, that's like full production, the play's yeah. on. But the black and white, it is a dramatized version of the making of the play. Yes. Right, of the true events of the making of the play. Right. So, wouldn't that have to happen after the play, like, after the play has been finalized and, you know, like, or is it, is that even a concept that matters in this, you know, movie at all? Like, is the, the timeline of the creation of these things even, even, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Mostly because, like, uh. That that part is the most confusing of it is how so for example, let's get into some more spoilery territory okay. in terms yeah, of I was trying to I was trying details. to tiptoe around without like No, spoiling. it's uh, like we're there. We're gonna talk about it. Okay. Um so if you don't give a shit, you can stay. If you don't want to know specific details from Asteroid City, you can leave. I suggest you to go ahead and stay. It might be helpful to try and wrap your head around, something to think about, but um regardless, there's so when it comes to Augie Steenbeck, the character in Asteroid City, being played by an actor, um, in, so, in black and white, that actor, he had, he went through this because he's in Asteroid City. So, what's really interesting is that, like, there's, there's that point where him and Ed Norton, uh, you know, he walks into his cabin and is like, a, you know, they have they have a very strong vibe from the very get go. And by the end of the scene, they kiss. And I, I was like, fuck, yeah, fuck, yeah. Um, Because I, not to mention, there was a bunch of like gay trailers. And I was like, we're going to get something gay in this movie. Hell, yeah. Uh, You know, that was uh, there was a bunch of like uh, the the uh, oh, I can't remember the darlings one with Pedro Pascal and Coleman Domingo and all, all those guys coming out hmm. uh, in September. But uh they they kiss and then you know later on in the movie they reveal Ed Norton Ed Norton's character died mhm but did Ed Norton die or did the guy that Ed Norton is playing die oh i didn't think about that right like that's that's the thing so and yeah. i don't think i don't think it matters uh here, here cuz I think there's kind of a universality to the message that Wes is kind of presenting to us Mm -hmm. where 
you know, I'm trying my best to connect it specifically to Augie Steenbeck and the, the, I can't remember the actor alternative name that he had. Um, mm. but regardless, it's saying that while these exact events might not have happened to Augie, we all have shit like this. We, we all have something we can draw on to be like, why, why am I still sad? Why do I feel this way about this? Why am I still sad about it? Why am I not sad enough about it? You know, like what, how should I be feeling? Why do I feel this way? I don't, I still don't get it. Yeah. As, as he puts it, you know, mm -hmm. I, I still don't get it. Um, yeah. and like he's talking about his life, you know, like he's talking about like, I don't get it, like my life or whatever. But then he's also kind of questioning like, the the role he's playing mm. like i don't get the story where is it going i don't get what i'm doing am i doing it right how am i even supposed to know i'm doing it right you know like sort of thing and i think that's also like west kind of putting himself into the movie being like i have all these stories i have all these characters and you can ask all these questions and whatever but if you just play the part it will all work out eventually. You know, like, like if everyone plays their part in this play, it'll all come to fruition and everything will make sense eventually. But when you stop and ask questions during the meantime or whatever, like, that can just foil it up and, and ruin the magic of the movie. Or I don't know. Like, I wonder if that's, like... No, you're, you're, I think you're on to something there. And I think it connects mostly to the, uh, the, the most confusing part of the movie on first watch, you know. You, you can't wake up if you don't, if you don't go to sleep. You can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. You can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. That, that, that series of events, I was like, I was sitting there watching. I was like, Emily's not going to be able to fucking sleep tonight. Um, yeah, like, cause that took such a staunchly, like almost scary turn. Yeah. Um, and like they, the whole, they were like that workshop or like whatever that was, they mm -hmm. were trying, like, it was Ed Norton trying to find – he wanted to write a scene in which everyone had the shared experience while they were asleep, right? That was, like, the main goal of it at the beginning whenever he, would like, had everyone in the room. Or was it just to test, like, to cast people, like, to see if everyone was, like, just to grab actors? But I, I thought I remember at the very beginning when they got into that room, he was like, I I'm trying to write a scene – and I want everyone to be asleep and have, like, the shared experience through it mm. or something like that. Yeah. And then – but then they, they jump away – like, it – they go away from it for a while and, like, a lot – like, some other stuff. It seems like that first time it just seems like a throwaway comedic scene. Yeah. And then – like – I'm trying to think they come of back around to it whenever they reveal that Ed Norton died, which is why I don't think – I don't think it is literally in whatever world they are a television production. I think it was a way to present to us what happened. You know, like, huh. it happened to these people. It happened to these actors. But the way that Wes Anderson has decided to tell us that story is through his own little, uh, his own little dramatized television program of it. You know, because Brian Cranston talks directly to us. Mm-hmm. And then whenever he shows up, mm -hmm. like he's like, Wait, I'm not I'm not in this part. That's yeah, I'm not supposed to be here or whatever. That yeah. was Yeah. Okay. So I okay. I like 
I didn't think about this the TV production side of it. Yeah, really. it's I don't That's think it's another... literally like wherever Asteroid City's story is being told, this is being put on the air there. No, this is this I think this is literally to present to us the events that happened to these people. Like uh-huh. you know, like I'd even be willing like <laughs> now getting real real into it. Like these these actors didn't act out this this black and white part. You know, like it was this it's just a retelling of what happened to them in this dramatized fashion. You know, it's not like a it, okay. you know, it's it's a weird it's a weird concept to wrap your mind around, but I do think it's just a it's just a choice made to tell us a story of what happened to the people behind the scenes whereas, you know, uh cuz I think that payoff at the end when um you know, Augie's the character Augie has had to tell his kids, you know, your mom died three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still reckoning with it. He doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to present the information. He's, he's, he's like, there's a, a bit in that Jason Schwartzman article I sent you where he said, he's like shocked into stiffness. Like he can't, he can't react. He doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to move his face. He doesn't know how to, mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to do anything. He's he's just he has the same face the entire fucking movie. Um if it's in color, if it's in Asteroid City. Um and then whenever he gets to that part where he is talking to uh, Adrian Brody at the end after he's gone, you know, I still I still mm. don't get it, you know. Am mm-hmm. I doing this right? How what what should I be doing? All all these things. Whenever it gets relayed back, he's like, "You just got to keep going, man. You just got to keep trying. You know, you're doing a good job." Yeah. And it might not feel like it. There's no right. There's no right way to feel about it. You know, you just you just keep going. It's because that actor is reckoning with the loss yeah. of his partner, Ed Norton, or like it, like you know, like that's uh... okay. That makes okay. Yeah, because he was like j- asking if if he was playing the part well, but then also he was like. Like, even if it hurts me more or something, I remember there was a line, something like that. Like, even, even if like, or maybe he was like, do I use my real grief or something like that? Mm-hmm. And like, even if it hurts me more, do I still do it? And he was like, yeah, no, can, keep going. You know, he's like, or I, I forgot what, what they were saying in particular, but I, I felt like it was something. No, it, it, there's, there's a moment wherever he's, he's, he's like, I come out here every night. I don't even get it. You know, I don't even get what we're doing mm-hmm. and it's destroying me. Like, I don't, I That's don't right, feel, yeah. I don't feel good. I, I'm, 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 and I don't know why, which is just mm-hmm. a really accurate depiction of depression. Also, mm-hmm. you know, like I feel this way and I, I, I should be happy. I should be happy to just trot out there and do whatever the fuck I'm doing, but I can't, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I, every time I'm just like, Oh my God, this is, I'm, I'm fuck I'm a wreck, you know? And, uh, so yeah, he's basically just being like, "Do I keep going even though this is this is making me sad?" And Adrian Brody essentially tells him, "You know, hey man, if you're sad, like basically if you're sad that means you're alive." Yeah. You know, he's like if you're if you're sad that means you get you you are experiencing life as and it I, is. And I I think that's what the you have to fall asleep before you can wake up thing is trying to get to is that like you can't have happiness unless you also feel sad as mm-hmm. well if if you never feel sad you never know 
how bad it can get so you don't know how good it can get or if you right. know you you need kind of both ways and maybe that's what they're trying to get at there yeah I'm like i don't know have to fall what do you remember the line you can't wake you up can't if you don't go to sleep if you don't go to sleep and it you was can't like wake up if you don't go to sleep and like what was happen? Was something happening before, or like I swear it was just out of nowhere? Bam! Switch like just focus spotlight on each person. They said it, and then like I, I forgot like what was happening right before, or was it literally they that were was like the Ed sleep. Morton. That yeah, that was the sleep part because uh, it it changes angles. You know, we saw that we saw that part of the production play earlier in the movie when he's like, "All right, I'm trying to write this scene." Where they have this sort of, you know, uh, this dreamscape. How do you, how do you how do you write a compelling scene where your characters are asleep? You know, how do you do that? You know, how how would you wake up? You maybe you wake up hungover. Maybe you wake up like this. Maybe you wake up like mm. that. You know, but they're they're not spending any time on what. There's a whole part of that that you're not exploring. You know, when you when you do fall asleep. You know what what. You can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. Um, and it's, it's really, it's a hard concept to wrap your head around because I certainly don't, uh, yeah, you, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Maybe is that more? No, you can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. I was trying to get the specific verbiage there, mm. Yeah, but, uh, I think it's, I think that quote is more than anything about just being like present, like present of mind, you know, whenever again, I always come back to this scene because it's my it's my favorite scene in the movie. I'll go ahead and spoil that. The uh, from the moment when all chaos is breaking loose after the alien has dropped the orb back on the ground and it's been inventoried, as Jeffrey Wright <laughs> yeah. says, yeah. Um, and everyone starts going crazy. Everyone starts doing shit for some reason, you know, like this is how they're this is how they're coping. Uh, mm -hmm. Jason Schwartzman just like stands there for a second. He goes, "I still don't get it." And he just walks off the stage through the little door and backstage. And then we get into black and white. We see Jeff Goldblum in the alien costume. He makes his way to Adrian Brody and they have that whole conversation. But then he leaves that conversation and goes and talks to Margot Robbie, mm -hmm. which uh, is actually the best part of the movie. Uh, it's actually my favorite scene. I know I kind of connected a few, a few things there. It's probably two scenes back to back, but it's, it's, mm -hmm. It's all the same. It's all I, one part I, of the movie to me. I can, uh, I can, yeah, I can be down with it. It's you need that, you need that part of the movie to get there. You know, if he just showed up randomly with Margot Robbie, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense. He needed to, right? Like we needed that little before, mm. I guess, to get there. So, well, he was like primed for that conversation. Like mm. his, like his mind had been opened up a little bit by the things Adrian Brody had to say. Mm -hmm. And then he goes and he's like, "Oh shit, you were the." uh you were the wife you're of the my wife actor. That played my or you're the yeah you're the wife who played my actress. Yeah, you're the wife who played my actress. And yeah, you're the actress who played my wife. Um, is he just stumbling on his words, or is it the meta game that's being played? You know, like because mm. I was trying to think of like what she actually is to him. You know, because like in Asteroid City, they show a picture of their mom. Yeah, and right? it's Margot Robbie. In the bathtub or whatever. So she is just a fictional 
wife. Yeah, just a fictional mom, which is why this moment doesn't carry weight in the exact way that like, oh, this was his wife. Oh, God. no, like he's he's relating it back to the loss of I mean, I'm assuming the loss of his partner and Ed Norton because he died. Um, but even further than that, like, I almost think that doesn't matter. Like the loss of somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like dealing with grief in general mm-hmm. is what this is, what this serves to whenever Margot starts rattling off both their lines in succession, which by the way, there was a question recently that was like, what's your favorite on Twitter? That was like, what's your favorite one scene performance? Mm. You know, someone who came in, did five minutes and dipped and was incredible. Margot Robbie, holy fucking shit. Was she good in that moment? Yeah. Um, but whenever yeah. she was, it's okay. a crucial part of that character's exploration. But the fact that they like Augie's exploration in the play, it's, it's astonishing that they cut that part of the play, you know, that that would be the part where they were like, you know, we need to cut this out. Um, and it's because it works better in the movie for the actor playing Augie. It, it becomes more real at that point. It becomes like it's not just for that character. It's for the people watching as all things ah. in the black and white is, you know? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Because I, I was trying to think the whole time of like um, that, you know, that they cut it, you know? Too much run or too much runtime, whatever you know, for whatever the the reason she gave, mm. and then she was because she was standing, like seemingly she was in a play herself or some yeah on the on the in the other studio next other the next theater over yeah, on. and I didn't remember the name of it yeah I can't remember I, it'd be really cool if that's like his next movie or something that he's planning oh right, right. I don't know I don't know if this like um already already announced kind of uh. Some of the stuff he's working on, you know, there's been rumors about the Michael Sarah movie mm-hmm. that he's writing. He said his next movie will be a spy thriller with Benicio del Toro in every shot. Whoa, yeah. a spy? I thr- okay, I did, I've never heard of that. That sounds amazing. So, uh, it, it, like, new it like last night and early today. Like, it's like he just knows oh, okay. if that's actually okay. what happened. But regardless, yeah, no, like it's uh. <laughs> That that whole scene, it's it's cr- like it is the crux of the film. You know, if that scene doesn't happen, that's the one. That's the I don't. I've I've had a rough year. That's the I wonder if it remembers me. That you know, that's mm-hmm. the she died two years later with our infant son, and you know, like that. That's that moment for this movie is that conversation with Margot mm-hmm. Robbie, and it uh, it absolutely destroyed me. And what what fucked me up further is throughout that I was already crying <laughs> from the conversation with Adrian Brody that cause there's a tone switch that when you hit it and you like Wes Anderson, you know, you've hit it, you know, as soon as like the music kind of softens as chaos is happening and he goes, mm-hmm. I still don't get it. I went buckle up, buddy. Mm-hmm. Here we fucking go. You know, yeah. I was like, this is, this is it. This is where it happens. And then uh, sitting so close to each other. Like, yeah, they, like, talking to each other right there and then yeah it's like i just got to get some fresh air he's like you won't or like you know or like yeah that yeah. line like right before he goes out like it, you're right there is definitely like a tone switch right there and yeah there were some people like laughing blew my theater. fucking mind bro yeah. 
Yeah. Like that was the consensus in the theater was to laugh. And maybe that's I was how... astonished. You know, I was like, I was sitting there. I'm like softly sobbing to myself uh, as Augie's trying to figure out how he should feel, how he should go about living, how, like, what's the point, you know, because that's, that's the point of the play he's acting. That's the point of the life he's leading at the moment. It's like, what the fuck is the point? What am I, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, oh, this is, this is fucking moving. And then they get to the end of the scene and Jason Schwartzman delivers a line where he goes, I still don't get it. And everyone laughed. I think I, because I was like, oh, 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 I think it's because they feel the same. Like, I think it's like they don't get the movie too. like in right. that moment with him. I think they're like, yeah, like because it right before this all the chaos breaks loose and you see like everyone's all freaking out and the alien came back down. And, you know, I think people might be like, Oh, I want to know what happens next there. You know, no, like it, it, why cut away and like go through all this stuff. And it's like, um, so maybe that's also like a, it plays into it. And you know, there's this thing about Wes Anderson movies. We're like, and that's why I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to be like, Oh, they just don't get it because art hits you how it hits you it's whatever you know like uh if, if you thought it was funny you thought it was funny maybe you watch it again and you go wait a fucking minute this was this was different this was not what i thought it was you know uh mm -hmm. because he predisposes you to pretty much ceaseless comedy up to yeah. that point you know like it it is a comedy movie up until that point with very little drama or stakes or anything you know there's mm -hmm. there's one moment where you're like oh is this the wes anderson the moment. Something bad happened all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, whenever you see Scarlett Johansson like in the bathtub with the pills spilled next to her yeah, and stuff, and you're like, dude, oh, I remember Dee let Literally. out an audible gasp. Yes. I was, yeah, I was like, oh fuck, I like, I like, I'm like, oh here it goes. You know, I, I was ready and like, and I, I don't know, like that. I think the if, the whole theater like it got quiet, like it, yeah. it was silent everyone was like oh shit like well, and that's an example of just how effective wes anderson creates characters mm. we hadn't been presented with anything really that made midge a like overwhelming loss you know yeah. it, it wasn't like anything that was going to be like ah oh god i'm gonna cry but the entire theater when they saw that went you know and we all know it's a play we know that's a character in the that's play. That's true. What the fuck? It's not even real the whole time. Yeah. Like, it's, and they're literally rehearsing their lines in front of us in the play. But is that part of the I think play? they're rehearsing for, because Scarlett Johansson's character is an actress in the play. She's rehearsing for a movie <laughs> that she's going to get in universe later on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, this is true. Because, okay. Wow. Yeah, there's so much, so many levels going on there. Um, but another tone switch I remembered, and that was followed very swiftly by comedy, was one of the the kids, uh, the the dare kid. Uh, you dare oh, me to yeah. do this? Uh, it's an experiment. And whenever, like, you he's dare finally, me? why? You know, like, why? Why do you do this? What, what's the point? And then you in just, all my in all my years, you know, there's who, what, when. How mm. these are all worthy questions. Never mm -hmm. ask a man why. Yeah. Imme immediately, that's where my head went. I was like, "Damn, man, this guy has a way of just calling yeah. back to the shit he's done in such a compelling oh, way." Yeah. And and it was such a good moment, you know. And like, 
get his explanation of like I, I just want to be seen, you know, like I do it to to not be forgotten. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, well, okay, well, what do you want? What do you want? Do you, what do, What do you want do you me to dare you to, to climb that cactus? What the, oh, dude, come no, on, you know, no, and it's we like, don't want you to. So yeah. I think it's it's kind of like the, I think the whole movie, the biggest point, like the biggest takeaway, I feel like is how people deal with grief or deal mm-hmm. with uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Because it's a, you know, finally an opening up from that, you know, from, I I forgot his name. Um, let's see if I can find on IMDb real quick. Clifford, maybe? Yeah. Uh, at least that's by Aristau Meehan, possibly? Yeah, the, the, yeah um, that's Clifford. That's Clifford. Yeah, so Clifford, uh, the dare experiment kid. Um, like, I don't know, it was, a, like, Finally opened up, and that his father was, you know, kind of a, a piece of shit. Uh, just yeah, Lee F. Schreiber, man. Yeah, I mean, not in real life, you know. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. having him in there, but just his character playing a kind of piece of shit. Not really. He's just there. At least he's there, you know, at this expo or little event with them. But but you know, he's just kind of like, all right, uh, my, he's just a little I'll break your neck. Yeah, like just a little different. Um. But then they have that moment where, like, it feels like that's, like, the first moment. I, I feel like that's, like, the first real kind of connected moment that they've had, you know, mm-hmm. like, as father and son. And then it just is, is brushed away and, like, let's let's laugh about it, you know. let's. I don't want to stay sad for too long, you know, mm-hmm. is kind of like the let's, let's immediately go back uh, to whatever, you know, our sense of normal. And that's... Like, like with the whole alien story, is like everyone was there. Everyone saw that alien without a doubt. Everyone was there. Everyone had that shared experience. Mm. But everyone was wanting to leave and go back to their normal life after it was done. Like because no one knew what to do with that information. They're like, well, we can't contact this alien. We can't. We didn't know where it goes. We we don't know what it was here for. We don't know why it was here. Everyone just wanted to leave, to go home, to, like, forget it, basically. And it's like, if that ha- like, you would think that that would change your life forever, you know? Like, you'd think, like, you wouldn't be able to, to really, maybe that's why. Maybe they just well, wanted that's to what, That's what happened to Woodrow. Yeah, it's know? like, you just, that would totally possess everything from that moment on, you know? I feel like it would kind of ruin your life. Honestly, you know, like, because you just couldn't get it out of your head. Mm. And it, it takes a weird example like that, like an alien coming down to Earth, you know, for that. And I think that's kind of just the most dramatized point of it. But there's a lot of other little points in it, like like uh, Clifford opening up to his dad or, you know, the little girls, like, trying to bring back their mother. Like, mm-hmm. in, like their little wit, you know, their little witches or, like, whatever, you know. We like, will sacrifice you. Yeah. It's everyone's dealing with grief in their own way. And, and I don't know. I think, I think, like, the, I'm trying to still, I still don't know where the, you have to fall, or you have to fall asleep before you can wake up i I still forget the verbiage but like you can't you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep you don't go to sleep yeah like i just was such a weird like i mean ed norton dies or his character i feel like that part doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's in real life or in the play or whatever it's just gone 
loss. Mm-hmm. It, like in and just to give Augie someone to to have you know to lose or something. And then, so they say that he died. Did they say how he died? Or Can't like remember when or like because di- they said he died some months. Uh, like a like he died later and. I can't remember exactly the exactly how that went, but I remember them saying he died, and then we get the other view. We get this view of him sitting centered next to Willem Dafoe and Adrian Brody, with mm-hmm. the like uh, the actors split down the middle, like there's risers, which when we switch to the other side is not the case. They are connected, and it's just all one long seating. So it's like another example of them just dramatizing it a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But we return to that angle when the alien walks down the hall with the with the orb and is going, you know, you can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. You can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. Um, and my my best understanding of it is is just simply that, you know, you, again, you just gotta you gotta let your experiences flow, man. You just gotta hmm. be present for the things that happen to you. And, you know, because I'm trying, I would be helpful if I could remember specific verbiage and specific lines from earlier in the movie, because I feel like revisiting it, that first scene is going to be crucially important whenever they're doing that the first time, Mm. you know? Um, I mean, I'm going to be paying attention like a hawk. Like, I'm going to be paying attention like crazy next time I watch it, but I feel like... Ed Norton's character is a pretty easy slot in for Wes. Like, it's just kind of... Like, in that scene where him and Jason Schwartzman kiss, I feel like it's literally, like... (laughs) Like, I don't know, I feel like that was kind of, like, a real thing. Like, he's just like, wow, you're just... Me and you, we're just meant to make movies together. You know, we get each other. You get my style. I I get your acting, vice versa. We make movies forever until we die. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever Ed Norton does die, maybe because like it wasn't obviously it wasn't to full production or anything, but like maybe was it all written at that point? You know? Yeah, yeah. No, like okay. uh, I, I think, think the play goes to production, and he died. You know, like that's uh, okay. I feel like, and I don't know if Adrian Brody is the new director. He might be, but I think you you might be right. Is he might just be like stage kind of production and stuff like that. Yeah, but I, he pulls out the little version of the ship earlier in the movie. I feel like he might have been like the um, like director who kind of took over, and yeah, maybe that's what that whole thing is is about. Is that like we have this written play? Um, that we didn't write, someone else wrote, there's a whole different vision for it, and that's Ed Norton, or Wes, whatever. They're gone right before we actually go to production, so we're trying to get in the headspace of this person who wrote this story, that knows the story, because we don't know it like that person at all, but Mm. we're just trying to recreate it to the best of our ability. And maybe that's the... the sleep thing i like they're trying to but like ed norton's there is the thing like he like is is it two separate falling asleep like thing like the one before and the one after like the two different views is it like are those the same 
event, you know? Or, like, mm-hmm. are they... I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm... I, uh... I don't know. You know, I, I can't I can't mm-hmm. tell you for sure. And that's what's interesting about this, too, is that I was looking into it because I saw a, an article the other day on Twitter that I didn't engage with because I didn't want to know a lot of what was going to happen in Asteroid City. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about the headline was like, how do the actors of Asteroid City interpret that line? That's what the article was. And it's. Every it's every actor in the cast's answer, and none of them are the same. Okay, you, there is no right answer. You know, like that's that's, that's the thing the is point. that it is up to you to figure out what the fuck it means. Um, I think that's kind of the point of the whole movie. Is the that movie there isn't. Yeah. There really isn't a point. Like there. He's, and that's the thing, is that he's making a point by saying that there isn't a point to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that is his point. So it's all just fucking, it's all just, uh, my head's spinning right. on how well, to Well, that's to, the like, thing, is that, like, I think that something that we've talked about with Wes that I, 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 we talked about with the Life Aquatic, and I think we did again with the Darjeeling Limited, and, and so on and so forth. Fantastic Mr. Fox. The way Wes Anderson grapples with the sanctity of life and the inevitability of death is is incredible, you know, and the way that that took form this time was the alien invasion that mm-hmm. changed everybody's life. Um, and how do how do you reckon with that? How do you how do you reckon with the knowledge that your world will never be the same? You know what we previously knew, what our life previously was is mm-hmm. not the life we had before, which is what happens when you lose a loved one. Mm. You know, you, you might. You'll be, you should be able to go on. You, you might be able to go on eventually, but your life won't be the same. It'll be far from the same. And that's, that's just kind of the form it took in this play. Um, ah, that's what the criminal, the, the cop chase, you know, like remember the, the car with the flames and like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like they would just go down and like, I was trying to think like, what's that in there for? But it's just like to show like the different scale of like things that don't matter to people anymore. Like that's just a yeah. normal event. It happens and they're like, okay, whatever. We saw an alien. How like this doesn't fucking matter to me. They right. also have atomic bombs going off in the background. They're like, yep. Just you know, at first, whenever um Augie gets in with his family, like, what's that? You know, they're like, Oh, what mm-hmm. was that? And they're like, Oh, just another atomic bomb test, you know, or nuclear test and then they have one themselves and they're just Well and what's them. really important about that is that the person who asks what's that in the second time is Stanley Zack, Augie's father-in-law. Whereas everyone else experienced this alien invasion and went, oh, nothing. Does nothing matter? Are we smaller than I thought? What the hell? What the hell is this? He actually grew more fond of life. There's a, there's a staunch change of character in him after the alien shows up. Um, He's more open. He is expressing his feelings to to, mm. to Augie and to the kids and stuff. And he is. Yeah. There's a moment whenever. I don't know. I like the desert. I like aliens. I'm kind of into this. You know, he's. That's not what Stanley Zack was like before. You know, I think they're making mm. a point that previously he'd have been the type of guy to not ask. What was that? 
You know, he'd he'd have been the type just kind of be like, okay. But now he's taken a deep interest in in everything. That life life is yeah. precious. His daughter has died. He's seen an alien. You know, like d- d- shit's not the same as it was before. And you're now I gotta savor right. every ounce of this. Yeah, like you're you're a hundred percent. I I didn't think about his character really at all, and like what. But he's one of the he's he, one of the most interesting characters in the movie for my money. Whenever they have he has that kind of conversation with Augie in front of the like car repair shop. Yeah. And he's like uh you know, I don't I don't like that you have to stay with me, but I will like you can because I don't, my whatever daughter, he said. my daughter loved you, I loved my daughter. You know like I but have unconditional right love that. in my heart. Yeah, yeah, what came right before that he's like I I figured out that like I if I don't love you, then I'm really not going to – I don't really care about you. But if I do love you, then I'm going to give everything, you know, for I, – I, I, something along those lines. He said it way better. Like that. It was yeah, like, no, like he says something about well. how he he had unconditional love for his daughter and that love extended to their four children. I feel like but right before that though, like nah, – Yeah, nah, I have no idea. Right before that, it was something like – um. I've li- you know I, all through my life I I've learned you know that there there's good and bad people something you know like that and and but the only people I care about are the ones that I that I love hmm. but it, it was it it was right before he like the ex- it extends to you know your daughters which then means you it was right before that but right um I guess the whole point of that was like he was he was very open about his emotions like he was like literally telling him like his literal emotions and how he felt in that time. And at the beginning of the movie, you would think mm. that he's just a guy that I found the quote in my loneliness. I've learned to give complete and unquestioning faith to the people I love. I don't know if that includes you, but it included my daughter and your four children. You know, he's like a, in, in being alone. Yeah. I've learned that the people that I love most are of the utmost importance and that they should be given all the faith in the world that extended to your wife and your four children. I don't know if it extends to you, but because they're with you, you can stick around. Yeah. Um, like, man, like that. And that's like another just huge name actor. That was just a very small role in the movie, but had a, you know, a scene that act, like hits pretty hard. Like hmm. it's not like, I'm not crying or anything in that scene, but it's like, it's definitely not a funny scene. You know, that's no, for sure. Like he's, he's evoking some emotional, like emotions there. Um, and yeah, I, Tom Hanks, that was, that, hmm, I don't know. I forgot it. I didn't think about like his arc that he went on really at all, but de- like definitely he was there just to pick up the girls, take them home, bury his daughter on the golf court, you know, like seventh hole, whatever he said, yeah. you know, and in, in my backyard, whatever. And then, but now he's like, I guess, you know, it's kind of when, when his daughter's are and he's like, well, I have no dignity or fight to fight for my daughter anymore. I don't know. Like, I, do you, Augie? No. Like, not, I don't, so it is kind of still like, he um, still has some parts of him, you know, oh, yeah. a little bit. But definitely, like, he ha- he did have a change. Like, there was a change to him. Oh, yeah, there there absolutely is. He He, he possesses this. Well, and that's the thing is that he was insistent prior. You know, it was, mm. we are going to, we are going uh, to dig your mother up and we are going to do this. Uh, after it, he's like, man, nothing. I don't care. You know, I, I love my daughter. She'll be buried somewhere. 
Yeah, you know, parents, like parents always kind of have the same trope to them, where like whenever his car breaks down, they know it's not going to be fixed anymore. The tires are all off, and they're getting everything out of the car. Mm. Augie's like, "All right, you do this, 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 and this. You do that, 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 and that, and you do blah, blah, blah." Like they're very like um, detail oriented. Yeah, and like there's always kind of something like that, like in. Royal Tenenbaums, the mom, is mm. just kind of like that because she wants her kids to succeed and, like, okay, we're, we're doing right. this, this, this. Um, like, Darjeeling, I guess it's not parents. Well, yeah, it is because, it I mean, I, I was thinking it was just Owen Wilson doing it, but it came from his mother. Came from his um, mom, yeah. And the reason why he's doing that. And then, like, there's – you're right about, like, how he connects other parts, like, his other movies, but it's not, like, obvious. It's not, like, a clear callback, but it's just, like, a story element that was well, it, just, could, it, it might not even be a callback at all no you know? I, I, I don't think I, I hardly yeah. think it's ever intentional you know I mm-hmm. think it's just these questions are so f- front of mind for Wes Anderson whenever he's writing a movie or writing a script that they bleed through in in their own in in their own way that connects to his previous work but is still mm-hmm. brand new in and of itself you know whenever Lee F. Schreiber and Steve Carell ask uh the kid uh what was his name uh we just we just went over it a second ago when they're like why why do you need to clifford clifford why do you why do you need me to dare you it's not like he goes into a whole like ah man i truly have no idea what i'm about to say you know like uh, never ask a man why you know like he he has an Mm -hmm. answer but like he he does kind of stumble over it he doesn't he you can tell he doesn't know what he's about to say Mm -hmm. you know it's not like he's he's making he's making a big old thing of like oh I don't like the question why, you know, like uh, that's, it's a different, it's a, it's a whole different animal. And uh, I think why is kind of just a larger question of this movie. You know, it's like, why, why do we exist? You know, why go on after something like that can shake my world? Like why, why, why? And that's for the viewer to decide, you know, they, they, they give you the tools to kind of be like, you know, life goes on. You got to go with it. And that's just kind of that, man. Hollywood trying to tell us something. We have Asteroid City that comes out right now. Mm. You know, about like, oh, yeah, aliens, they've been, you know, seemingly they've that been here with, I don't know, before. You know, also Secret Invasion coming <laughs> out right now. Like, it's just a lot of... A lot of, uh, hey, be okay with aliens on Earth. Like, it's not, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really think that Wes has the inside scoop of the alien invasion or Marvel, you know, whatever. But who knows? I don't know. Uh, um, who knows? You know, maybe maybe they are trying to get us just ready. Uh, to right. the, like, maybe, like, well, eventually they break it and they're like, all right, all these movies you've been seeing, well, we've been priming you guys. Uh, actually... There isn't it, you know, but even if that, like, everyone still goes crazy. Like, there will be people, um, like, the part that I, aspect I loved about the story is, um, whenever the alien does come down and inventories it, you see the town then go crazy and everyone trying to make money off of it, you know? It's Mm -hmm. like, everyone's coming in, having attractions, selling little trinkets, doing whatever, trying to do whatever, but then you have Augie who took the picture of the alien himself, like the guy who would actually make the most money out of anyone. And, but, and then whenever he's at, like, I think, um, his son 
Woodrow's like, but dad, you took the picture. You know, like you, you photographed the alien. He's like, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a photographer. You know, it's yeah. like, it's not even in his mind to go and like to sell it. But I guess, didn't he, he sent it to someone though? I, I, there was like a little detail. Yeah, the, uh, the middle school newspaper that broke the story <laughs> initially. And Are then that, sent that, like sent the picture to them or was it, uh, I think I, I I'm assuming Augie sent it. Um, okay, yeah. So he just wanted to. I don't know. So yeah, he sent it to a the world people need to know. You know, like it's just yeah. Like he was just. I don't know. I I think I I love that kind of like it. It like reminded me of Nope in that like aspect of like mm. you know just how that picture was taken. You know, in, like the very end. Like you need a, a film camera right, you know right. to do it and, like a digital wouldn't work but like and that's not even really an aspect of this but like it was, I, I just love alien stories regardless mm. like i was already in into this uh movie regardless but then it had just all of the like i don't I don't know if i want to call it fourth wall reiki but just like the the meta kind of story that's been going on yeah the commentary was was way more interesting which i i didn't think you know, I thought I was going to be in the movie mainly for the alien and the sci-fi aspects of it, but then it was quickly like, it's just a play. You know, like yeah. it's just that it's just like part of the story that's being yeah. told right now. It's not even like, isn't it funny how that can happen too? Like, uh, if it was a if it was just a movie, you'd be like, oh, an alien just came down. But mm-hmm. if it's a play within a movie. It's a, oh, well, that alien just came down, but it's just a part of the play. You know, like, it's not, it's not just a part of the movie. It's just a part of the play. Uh, because it's, it's meta and it's, it's buried in these, these levels of contrivance that, that make it so that you have to think about it like it's not a real event. Like, you got to think about why it happened. Um, uh. but it, it is interesting that you pose the question, you know, like, uh, all this, all these, like, alien stories right now. And are they, are they trying to prime us for something? And I think that, uh, <laughs> I I, I I love where your head's at, of course, always. But uh, there's uh, there's a much more you know real world uh, connection to make here, and there's there's even connections to make within this movie where you know uh, there's a line by Montana Rupert Friend's character where he says, you know, he ain't American, you know, he ain't of God's he ain't of God's earth, but he's of somewhere, you know, like uh, we got. And I think that's that's the point, you know. It's it's just it's more about acceptance than it is mm. anything else. It's it's about accepting people for who they are and what they are. If they if they mean no harm, if they show you no reason for you to think, oh, they want to hurt me, then they probably don't want to fucking hurt you, man. You know, there's there's no there's no reason there, and uh, it, it, there's kind of this this other factor of all the characters in this movie they're all alienated in some sort of way no no pun intended uh there's you know midge campbell who's a famous actress and every time her name is mentioned everyone's like oh midge campbell Mm. oh oh shit augie is kind of like self-isolated and he's become alienated via his own choice the kids are all alienated by their parents their parents Mm -hmm. don't understand them in any capacity and they find that connection in each other augie finds that connection with midge there's all sorts of like you know they're they're looking for connection any way they know how and some something that 
helps that along is, you know, shared, shared experiences, shared, mm. uh, not, not, I guess, trauma, I guess, if you, if you, if you look at seeing an alien is traumatic, which I guess like probably would be, um, yeah, yeah, I don't really know how you'd describe that. Life changing might be the best. Like, it's either going to be really good or really bad. I don't know if there's really any in between. Um, but no, I, I think okay. I I like that. Um, the no harm thing. Like, and it, it, it and maybe you know take aliens out of it. Um, I got it. I think it's just what like what's going on in the world like no one no one really wants to harm anyone you know like it mm. like we're we're doing all these crazy conflicts and wars and all these things all the time and it's like but at the end of the day like the mass population on earth doesn't give like not doesn't give a fuck about the war or like all these conflicts that are going on but like why they're going yeah, on they no one cares it. yeah it's like like the the soldiers who are actually going out fighting, they're just doing that because their country's telling them to. It's not like they actually are like, oh, I like believe in this cause full heart. I guess there are some, probably some of those people. Probably plenty, but but like, yeah, it's it's just like all these con like all these conflicts that are going on. It's like why you know like what are we really doing here? You know like well, and there's there's a line from Jeffrey Wright's character, the general. Whenever he gives his first speech that mm. opens Asteroid City, uh, <laughs> fucking incredible. When he he's like, part, uh, chapter one, and then he rattles it off, rattles it off, rattles it off. Chapter two, rattles it off. Rattles it. But he, he delivers a line that stuck with me really hard where he goes, uh, my father went off to fight the war that would end all wars. It didn't. You know, like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's kind of everyone's grappling with that, too. You know, there's there's a war to end all wars. and. But war doesn't stop, you know, shit just shit keeps going uh, again. Like that's and it always elevates. And that's like what keeps me awake at night is like if there's like two hands or two options. One, aliens are real and they have been here and they are nonviolent because if they were, we would have been dead long ago. Mm. Like there's but like they are here. I They seem pretty chill. They probably have given us technologies in the past, like, who knows, but now we're getting kind of to the point where we're getting really, really bad, and, like, we could mm -hmm. actually do some damage to not even just our own planet, but, like, to, to other things, yeah. so, like, okay. Or, it's like, they're not real at all, but the government is, like, pushing that story to make, like, a global conflict, like, to, like, kind of push people towards, like, oh... This might be real. We need to like prepare for this mm. so that they can make all of these crazy weapons and still fund the military heavily, 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 you know. Either option, it's like I'd much rather the aliens to be real. Like right. I like if they're fake, that sucks. That really sucks. And like it's just like a like propaganda, basically, which like really blows. And it's like I don't know, it's it's crazy that like right now. Like, not just conspiracy theorists are, like, speaking of UFOs and, and, like, aliens and stuff. Like, the real government and, like, NASA and, like, people all over are, like, talking about this. Like, cra like crap that we just can't explain. Like, mm. And they're like, well, it's it's time. Like, something something's out of the bag, it feels. Like, something has, 
like the we've opened Pandora's box, you know, and I don't know where it ends, but like all I was like this movie was kind of just like a all encompassing like even even if it's not aliens or whatever like it, it the point of the movie is still like how people will react to these certain situations mm. like will will it just go to straight chaos will you know people just want to go home forget about it you know cuz you do have Jeffrey Wright like reading those note cards from zero or not zero i don't know like uh oh yeah tony revelori yeah uh which was which was really cool just kind of being like a another kind of like really good lobby boy you know different yeah, right. lobby boy here but yeah, uh different type but reading those cards like uh all right step one make sure everyone cannot leave quarantine the zone and then, already like, accounted for sir that yeah. process is in motion yep and then it's like uh blah, blah, blah you know yeah just keep going question everybody uh make sure that the word doesn't get out deny deny so, deny yeah, yeah and and like all right obviously we'll have to come up with some cover story here um and like there's, I mean, there's just an endless rabbit hole that you can go down with aliens, and it's just, you sound like a crazy person, you know, whenever you start to, like, talk about it and stuff. But, like, I don't think that truly matters for, like, this movie. Like, I don't think that's the point he's trying to make, is that, like, th the alien part is just to have something that's so beyond... Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's just extremely allegorical. I don't think it's supposed to be exactly... Oh. Maybe that's the wake up moment in the play. Like the the shared experience that everyone needs to have that's undeniable. That is mm. like because Augie, you know, lost a wife, you know, lost his wife and is dealing with that loss or whatever. But in it, but no one knows how to no one knows how or what to say to him to fix a situation at all. It's like it's it's his problem, you know, and it's mm. like uh, and then you have like uh oh my god yeah that whenever they're uh um when midge and augie are talking through the window and they're like um like we're we're the same like we're we both have trauma or we both have pasts that we just don't want to talk about or that we don't mm -hmm. even know how to talk about and that's what makes us um connected or that's what i forgot like yeah that's what, what connects us. I, think it's, I think it's basically what yeah and like that's what connects us um, is is the shared trauma, but it's not shared at all. You know, it's just it's just trauma that we both have. Yeah, but in, in this history. case, seeing the alien, like everyone was there, everyone was speechless, everyone experienced the same exact thing, and maybe that's this share like sleep, like maybe you know it's like a dream, like that's how you'll think of it. Is like I that couldn't have happened, you know, like that's like. That was a dream. I saw an alien come down to Earth, put an asteroid back down, you know, like, or pick up an asteroid and go. And it's like, that's, that's not real. I'll move on with my, you know, like, it's, I don't know, maybe that's like the. Well, and that's what I think we, we've kind of discussed. You can't wake up if you don't go to sleep in a context. That means you should go to sleep. You should, you know, you should appreciate your rest. You should mm. chill. I, I, I walked out of there thinking, I think it's the opposite. I think it's telling you don't go to sleep. Stay awake. Like be aware. You know, like uh ah. don't don't let that thing become something that oh that must that just must have been a dream, you know. You you can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. You just you just stay awake. You know, you you don't have you don't have to wake up to anything. You just you just are. You know, and uh 
I think that's that that was kind of the the essence of what that was more than anything saying was just ah, you know okay. you can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. I know? like that just being aware. Like yeah, that that's def like because I was trying to think like does he think people are you know dreaming and they're you know like when they're awake they're not really awake and they're making mm-hmm. it more of the dream you know in real life but no I think that's. That's definitely more of it. Like, it's just be aware that you do go to sleep, that you do dream, that you do wake up every day. Like, yeah. um, and because that, that is, that still blows my mind every time I think about it. Like, I go to sleep. Sometimes I dream. Sometimes I don't. But when I do, it's the craziest shit ever that happens mm. in my head. Or it could be something completely mundane. Like, it, it, right. like, it could be a fever dream. That I'll, I'll want to like wake up and instantly be like, oh, I have to tell someone. Like, I have to write this down. Like, there there have been right. some dreams where I'm like, oh my god, I have to write this down. Like, it it was just so crazy, and then it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Like instant, it, it, you try to remember it, just gone. Well, and, and I think that's more than anything what this movie is trying to say is don't let real things that do happen to you become become dreams. Don't yeah. don't let them. Don't let it just wash past you. You know, uh-huh. like you, you reckon with the things that happen and you're not and supposed to forget. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed yeah. to just let you're not uh-huh. supposed to let it go by and never think about it again. You are supposed to think about it. It is supposed to be present in your mind. It's just you, you're not supposed to feel any one way about it. You, you know, you, you do reckon with it how you'll reckon with it as long as you do reckon with it. Don't don't yeah. just let it go away. You know, which is what I think that this movie is more than anything trying to say, you know, uh, Mm. there's a, you know, uh, there's an interesting thing where this movie, the writing of this movie began in late 2019. Mm. Where, you know, uh, in the movie, they all go into quarantine and how do they, how do they wrestle with going into quarantine and Ah, how do they, uh, that didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, Duh. you know, it's because you'd like to just forget about it. You know, you just you just like to let it wash past you. You know, and that's that's fair. You know, who wouldn't? It's uh, and, and that's one of those things that like uh, it, it almost doesn't feel intentional. You know, it certainly wasn't. They started writing this before that all happened. Um, but that just kind of that just kind of a result of it. It, it the the bulk of the writing occurred during mm. COVID. You know, and. Whenever there's a shared experience between people where, you know, we, you know, there was nothing like that before in my lifetime anyway, where at least that I can consciously remember, I should say, you know, uh, where everyone was aware of the very same thing and we were all going, we were all going through it in some way, shape or form, maybe not to the same extent as others, but we all, we all knew what was happening and we all were aware that something needed to be done about it. and. A lot of people just ignored it, went on about their business. You know, they, they, oh, sorry, I was getting a phone call there for a second. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I think that's, that's, it might be coincidental, but it felt like a good allegory for it. Um, and it was a good way to reckon with like the effects of a mass, um, like a, a collective trauma that mm-hmm. America kind of has, you know, where we, we just went through that, but already everyone's, you know, everyone moves on. Everyone, life goes on. Everyone just keeps going. And very few people 
think about that, you know? It is, yeah. That's not even that long ago at all. Yeah. Like, that is, you're, like, other things that have been like that, 9-11 oh, would probably be the last one, but Before I was that. a year old. Um, yeah, me too. Maybe that. the housing crisis, but probably not. I, I wouldn't say to that degree. But then, like, the ones before that is probably, like, world wars. Like, yeah. Like, up, to, I don't know. Like, there's, yeah, and it's, you're right in people that are, we just want to completely forget that time. Like, it is, it's just a couple years out of our lives that are like, well, we all know it sucked. Like, we all hated that time. Like, it was. <laughs> You know, we, we try to make the most of it, and we're like, well, you know, I guess we can just be at home and, and do, you know, and, and chill out. And, and, do and I think that's why, the like, there's there's a point that's made in this movie where Stanley Zack, the oldest member of the cast, and the kids are the most, like, yo, that just happened. We got to reckon with that, you know? And everyone in the middle is just kind of like, we got to just go ahead and move on. We got to get past that. You know, the kids, the kids can't move past it. They got to figure out why it happened. They got to be able to, they got to be able to understand it. They have to, they have to make sure that if it does happen again, it won't be as dangerous. They have, they, it won't be dangerous. It has to, they have to get it down mm. to the T, you know, they have to understand it. Whereas everyone else is just kind of like, Hey man, it came down, it went, that must be it. Yeah. You know, like that. It's. Um, like me whenever i think of aliens or whatever i kind of do brush it off and i'm kind of just like well if they do want to come down here and do whatever we have no means to stop them so mm. it's like whatever but maybe that's kind of like a a dangerous mindset to have and maybe like i'm not just aliens in specific but like i'm like talking of the the larger idea about it like the mindset i have towards that is not the mindset i should have i should be aware and i'm I'm speaking of aliens so it sounds like i'm just going off the deep end i guess but like i'm like i really i like that um point that you made about just like being aware of everything i think that's like what it can what all of this can tie back to is like you mm -hmm. have to be aware of all the grief of all the sadness of everything that you've been through just because the happy memories you have, you are ultra aware of that. Like you, you are, you want to even be more aware and you remember those. And like, you, you think back, we, One. you read comfort or comfort comics. You watch a comfort movie to remind you of good times, but you never, mm. you never go back and like, I'm going to watch a movie that reminds me of one of the worst times in my life. Or like, right. I'm going to think about this horrible experience I had with someone, you know, you never like just stop and think like that. Well, and that's but, the thing is we rarely reflect on our history at all. You know, like I, I, I certainly have happy memories, you know, I don't hmm. spend a lot of time relishing in those happy memories. And that's the thing is that like you, I think it's telling us also to, hmm. to, you know, respect the preciousness of life, you know, like uh, just remember that you are alive and the good comes with the bad and nothing is more or less important than anything else. Like every moment in your life mm -hmm. is it's your life, man. It's precious. That's you, you are existing and that's wonderful. And, or, yeah. and I think, I think that's, that's kind of what it, he's done the, that before. You know, that's kind of that show up whenever mm -hmm. they see the event, you know, you, you they make it seem that it's going to be this 
crazy thing you're going to see in the sky and that it's going to, you know, something crazy, but then it's just boop, boop. The astronomical boop. ellipses. Three little, you know, three little dots. And that's like, I look at stars and the moon. I look at stuff through my telescope all the time. And a lot of people think that if you have a telescope, you're going to be able just to see Jupiter or like Saturn. Yeah. No. You have to have a big ass telescope to even know that what you're looking at is Saturn if you don't know. Like, I mean, you have to have right. an observatory to see like those rings. But it's like I go out there and like right now Mars and Venus is up at the night sky. And you can actually look at Mars and you can see that it's red. You see like a red tint to it with your naked mm -hmm. eye, which is kind of crazy. But it's like if you don't know and you're not in the know, it's just another star. It's just another yeah. dot in the sky. But it's incredible. Like it, that's what like every night I go out there and I'm like thinking about it. Like and I'm just – I literally just sit there and I'm like, oh my God. Like, just to even me to look at the moon right now, like, it, like, it, it's crazy. It just blows my mind every time I think mm. about it. And like, having that little three dot little thing was like a perfect, like, way to explain kind of like how, to, how people look at space and science and stuff. Like, science on its base level is so boring to like most people. Like, it, it, but then if you just kind of look into how that stuff actually happens, it's like it makes it even more unbelievable, like what mm. you're looking at. And that's – I don't know. I really loved the like science-y kind of twists or storytelling like uh, – Right, right. That they went on like in with uh, – oh, my god. What was the her character name? Hickenlooper. Uh, Hicken, yeah, Hickenlooper. Is that it? Yeah, Dr. Uh, Hickenlooper. Yeah, Hickenlooper and played by and, Tilda uh, Swinton there. Yeah, and Woodrow, kind of like that moment they had in the tent mm. together, um, where you know he's like, oh, I think I can see the dots in your eyes, you know, like or and like she's like, well, you should be my protege, you know, like, you come, like you get it, you know, like in and, and it took like um, like they would not have known that about each other unless they were together, they had this mm. shared experience, and like they so we got that even even the other kids you know, that were there are probably, like, people she'd want to work with and, like, people that seem, like, to like the cause and, I don't know, or, like, like science and be like-minded. But then she was like, oh, no, like, Woodrow, you are different. Like, you, there's something that I see in you mm -hmm. that I, like, like, I don't know. Let's And there's always, like, that weird young kid with older woman in Wes's movies a lot of times. Like, right. there, like there was a, a, a weird tension there where I'm like, are they, like, gonna, like, kiss? Like, for a sec, you know, like, it, I, it, I knew, like, it it wasn't going to happen. But there no, was, like, but there's kind an of intimacy that there. that's yeah. portrayed in that moment. Mm -hmm. That uh, I think it's, I, more than anything in that scene, I was kind of just taken to the uh, the intimacy of a shared experience and a shared passion. You know, like, even... And and I've said this many times before. the The easiest way to reckon with feelings like that, or to recognize them, is we 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 filter things like that through a romantic lens, because mm. you know that's what I mean. Lo love is kind of, in my opinion, like one of one of the main points of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, life. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, naturally, everything I, I I watch, I filter through a lens of like. Oh, are they falling in love? You know, is this, is this a love story? Is that what this is about? And this is a love story, but it's about a love for 
yeah. a love for a passion, a love for a thing between yeah. Tilda Swinton and uh, Jake Ryan and Woodrow there. It's a, uh, you know, they, they, they share a passion and in that passion, they formed a bond that, you know, it isn't romantic, but it is, it, it, it almost it, feels it, that way. It has that strength. Yeah. You know, it's like, like they, they, uh, they have that shared passion and mm-hmm. they don't know, like they both know that they, they have it there, but you don't know how to like express. It's the, it's the spark of something new, you know, and yeah. it's not, it's not the spark of a new relationship as in it's romantic. It's the spark of a, of, oh shit, who knows what we can discover, you know, like who, who yeah. knows what we can happen upon together. Mm. And I think that that's like, you know, I think that's the importance of literally using an ellipses, you know, what grammatically an ellipses. It's, it's a pause. <laughs> That leads Wait. to something that's going to happen, you know. I like, even, okay, wow, I didn't even think about that. It's literally wow. And then what comes next? The, yeah, what oh comes next? God. You know, uh, wow, that is so good. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't. That you just, just unlock that one for me. Yeah, no, that's um, that's that, like that's why I thought wow. like using an ellipses was so in a movie that's about like how do you continue? How do you go on? That's literally what an ellipses gives you a moment to think about. You know, it's like, what comes next? Um, Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I I was trying to find something of, and I don't know if it's this, I feel like there's another movie that did it like crate. Like it was like the real main point of it, but I don't, I, I can't quite get it, but it's like people's imagination like their own imagination is like the best storytelling device there is. Like if you don't say what's going on and you just make someone have to make it up themselves, like that's like, you'll have way more of a connection to a movie. If you can't like are thinking of what's going to happen next or like you are creating mm-hmm. the movie in your own head or something like if it's not given to you outright, it's not just told told to you or like here's what's what's happening whatever if it's on like a cut to black you know like an ellipses right. i guess like imagine i don't know i'm trying to think of an example of like maybe whenever midge is laying in the bathtub dead you know and we don't know she's dead if they just cut to black there for like a couple seconds and you are, just sit there with yeah. your thoughts and like you have to think like oh my god is she you know like it's it's in that time in that moment right then and there that like nothing was said, nothing the was done. Just, yeah, yeah. You, it was it was the viewer that had to do all of that. Like right. West didn't do anything. Like he just set it up. You know, like it's just set up for that. And I, I think I don't know. I, I that's crazy that I didn't even think about it as an ellipse. I was just thinking of like just the space and yeah, astronomical all, ellipse. All, all, everything and I didn't even really think time. about the significance of it until we were talking about it. You know, you, you got to the ellipses and I was like, well, we're talking about this, what comes next and how do you go on? And that's, that's what an ellipses provides yeah. you an opportunity to do is to like continue to yeah. keep going forward at the end of a, like what you might've thought was an ending dot, dot, dot isn't, you know, like, it's mm. like uh there's, there's this little, there's a continuation wow. There's something that goes on there, and uh, hmm. it's a uh, it's. I, I I love this movie, man, and uh, I. The more I talk about it, the more I enjoy it, and I know that the more I watch it, the more I will as well. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm super excited to see it again. Yeah. But uh, do we want to do some favorites? I feel like we haven't gotten into very yeah, specific no, favorites yeah. yet. Let's see. Um, like char- characters, the one where I'm still 
I don't know, man. I've got that so many fucking options. Yeah, that one's tough. Character's really tough. My line, when I heard it, I was like, cut it up. Like, it, like this, this is yeah. the line. Comes from Dina, um, the yeah. Midge's, da- Midge's daughter, right? Yeah, or yes. yeah. yeah, it's Midge's daughter. And uh, it's whenever they're up in the observatory looking like he, he, I don't know, they have like their first kind of cute moment. He misses, mm-hmm. you know, messes up the controls. It's spinning all crazy. And then she's lo- looks up into the telescope and she just tells Woodrow, like, sometimes I think I feel more at home outside the Earth's atmosphere. And then oh, you see Woodrow, like, be like, like, he's oh like, my oh my God. God, you put into like, words something I've always felt, you oh know, like, God. uh, yeah. And like, just how how immediate like you knew that they were just like you know there was the tension building like that they were going to be like a thing whenever sitting playing you know playing their little name game or whatever or like hey woodrow come over here like uh so like you knew that they were going to kind of be like a, a little romantic interest throughout the movie but then like when it got there i just it was just so cute like in in the observatory uh and like just i don't know i i really just like the line as well like it's just uh I like Earth. I love Earth. I don't. I don't want to put that um, idea across. Like I love Earth. I love nature. I, I love. I, I really think of Earth as my home. Um, and I don't. I don't really want to go anywhere. But I don't know. It is just like a. I. I, I really love space to a degree that I. I a lot of people don't. Um, and it just. I don't know. It, it resonated whenever she said that. Like I. I don't know. Like I just kind of. It was a line that didn't really mean much for the movie you know but just a little little character moment that was had that i loved i don't know that was definitely one of those moments where i was like well that's that's an easy contender like Mm. straight off the rip like okay yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be one that's up there for me but later on there was a moment and in my favorite scene um it's 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 a little bit of a callback where you know they're midge and Augie had had that conversation about like, uh, did did it come out? No, well, my pictures always come out. You know, like it's uh, mm. it's what I do. This is my shit. You know, and uh, but then we see him talking to Margot Robbie, and she's going through all their lines. You know, um, where he goes, she she just rattles off the entire conversation mm. they were supposed to have, and then she gets to the last line, and he goes, <gasps> like he's like. My, my pictures always come out like he like he like remembers and realizes he's like this is it, things things will things will ha- turn out how they turn out mm-hmm. you know my pictures will always turn out you know there's a there's a moment whenever you know he's standing in front of that little griddle after he's made a sandwich and he takes a bite then he throws his hand down on the grill and Midge reacts she goes that just that just happened did that just happen mm-hmm. she broke character he burnt his hand mm-hmm. and he did yeah. that did that intentionally. He's trying to feel something. He doesn't like, he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. So I might as well just do this. And that moment when he, like, it all comes back to him almost whenever he like realizes like my, my pictures always come out. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that's no. uh that ended up being my line just because like, I, I'm already like crying, crying, crying. You know, mm-hmm. there's that line that my pictures always come out as the, for me, it's been a rough year i wonder if it remembers me mm-hmm. my picture always comes out my pictures always come out like that's uh i loved his pictures too and like how I, I don't i was trying to find maybe a connection whenever he hung up the pictures 
um, in the background. And you like mm-hmm. it was it was them talking, you know, through the windows. But but in the background, you, there's always two pictures that are hung up. Um, I think the first was the atomic bomb was one of them, like the the mushroom cloud. And then the other was, um, was it just, what was the first one? Oh, it was uh, in the diner. Midge, yeah, Midge at the end yeah, of the diner. Yeah. Taking a bite. So it was like ultimate destruction on one hand and then just like the most mundane, someone's just eaten, you know, on the other hand. And then I, I felt like every time they he hung up pictures, it was always like a stark contrast. Mm-mm. One was the alien. One was her... Uh, her leg hanging out of the robe, her getting, getting That's dressed. Right. That one. Yeah. Po- yeah. Um, they posed, even the alien kind of posed for that picture and like she <laughs> posed for that picture. Yeah. Okay. So the, maybe there is actually something going on there because yeah. I swear I'm like, these pictures are, there's no, like, there's no way it's just like, all right. I'm well, there's also a there. visual language there that they're expressing whenever, you know, it's not only is it very visually stimulating to have these sort of frames, mm. you know, they're literally in windows, like these windows, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're captured in a moment in time. They're, they're in a box, they're trapped almost, you know, like that literally in the sense of the quarantine and also that they don't know how to feel, you know, they're, they're just kind of, they just kind of exist in this state that's that's unmoving. It's it's stagnant. They're not going forward. They're not going backwards. They just they just are in those moments. And uh, it's it's really cool whenever we cut to an angle where they lean out of the window, and you can tell that they are they're like connecting on mm. some sort of level that's deeper because they've they're getting out of their box. They're getting out of their yeah. Because everyone everyone was in their own itty bitty little like hut house hotel room i don't know like what to really call it but like and what was up with the one that burnt down like there was a was it number five by chance i can't remember i I feel like it was either number five or seven if it's five that's really weird just for watching v for vendetta recently and like right it's cell burnt down it's probably not that whatsoever um but like the the little huts they were in, and like how everyone was so separated, you know, and like it. Um, but I I don't know. I didn't think of the the literal viewing them through their windows as like you're you're viewing like it's just that character like through their the window like and seeing them and like it always did Those cut back. Fucking gorgeous, back. Too, like, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that's. The visuals in this movie were just absurd. So let's let's talk shot next. Okay. What uh, what might be your favorite shot in the movie? I did, and it's kind of I don't know. Maybe it's a gimme. I don't know. Um, but I loved whenever the the alien came down. Not the actual stop motion of the alien picking up the thing and stuff, but just whenever everyone's looking up and just the green mm-hmm. light with the UFO above them, and like everyone's like taking off their their little box or whatever looking up i really i don't know just them all sitting in the crater um that was the one like i guess the shot that that came like that was like okay i really like that one that was like kind of hit me right away um out of like just singular shot but like if i i like the look of asteroid city like every almost like every shot of asteroid city i like more than that because of like the color scheme and stuff like that but it um but if I just had to single one 
out. I, I really liked whenever it turned oh, green. It's, a, it's that moment where visually it's not the same as the rest of the movie, and it happens. Mm-hmm. It happens in a few other a few other West movies. You know, uh, there's uh, there's that one in Grand Budapest that I picked where the lights are rotating behind Forcey mm. uh, Ronan's character, and mm-hmm. uh, and Moonrise Kingdom, where for one scene it's in this like rose tint pink sort of vibe. That's that's that in this movie is this this mm. green aesthetic that does not pop up again for the rest of the movie it's different it's it's letting you know something's changed you know um, it was was it adrian brody's wife that like said like oh you did the green good yeah. like I, I feel like it was kind of her input as well like it wasn't like gonna happen before they didn't think about that before but then it was like oh no make it green like or, or yeah. whatever like did you do the green good um which was really cool. Like th- just that back and forth was really cool. I-, I can't believe people really didn't like it. Like they said it took away from the movie. Like I thought it was like, no, I thought that a was really cool. Part, yeah. Man. That like, man, I, I don't, I don't get that take at all, but, but yeah, that's, that's my shot. Um, no, I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. And there's, there's all sorts of visuals in this movie that would, that are worthy of it. You know, those, those shots of Scarlett Johansson or Jason Schwartzman in the window where you can see like the, the horizon on one side of the oh. screen or something like that's always gorgeous. The, the nuclear bomb exploding whenever he leans out the window and takes the picture, a gorgeous shot. But there's a, uh, there's a dolly shot that just kind of a, a classic Wes Anderson move where it's just mm-hmm. on a level and it goes down a line looking at everybody who's here right now. Um, and it's when they are all lit up by like polka dot sunshine under some mm-hmm. sort of cabana that has like, that's like, Oh yeah. Oh dude, it's gorgeous. And oh, it, it gives man. you a chance to see every character. It goes through everybody. And it it was one that like I was predisposed to before we went into the movie. I was excited to see it because I saw someone tweet something about it. And I was like, God damn, that is pretty, but it was even prettier and to, to see it in motion because it wasn't just one shot. Like, I mean, it was one shot, but it wasn't just, one person, one table that they were on. They they took you through the entire slate of people mm-hmm. who's there and they show you everybody in this polka dot light that is just beautiful to look at, man. It was gorgeous. And I'll be I'll be astonished if like Robert Yeoman doesn't get nominated for cinematography, if Wes Anderson doesn't get nominated for like best director, if I mean the production design in this movie is fucking crazy. Um I watched a behind the scenes thing by the production designer who worked on Grand Budapest and Moonrise and uh, even worked on Isle of Dogs and French Dispatch where they were explaining the uh, cafe, the luncheonette. The The entire thing is you, you, you can open up one of the sides, you can pull up the windows, you could, you can basically tear the whole thing down like a little box and then put it back up if you wanted mm. to, but they're all just sitting inside of it. And it, it, just mm. the craft that went into that, the idea that they, they want a shot. That's like a horizon shot almost, but within, within this one little place and oh. there's midge down at the end of the counter, you know, and then they flip to the other angle and there's Jason Schwartzman at the end. It's just like the thoughtfulness of these productions are insane, man. And, uh, so that shot just because i thought the production design where they showed all the the housing and the, the mm. lunch the, the picnic was tape, good. Yeah. It, was pretty, it was pretty just in i remember there maybe there are a few kind of tracking shots like that uh where it was just kind of going through showing everybody because oh, yeah. 
there was one where um I remember Clifford like, Hey, do you dare me to eat this pepper? Really hot pepper, you know, he, yeah. he takes that bite and then it like goes into like Steve Carell. Yeah, like, that was like little... the beginning, like introducing So everybody. it is that shot? Is that is no, that no, shot? no 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 no. It's a different okay. one. Okay. That's that's the um, beginning whenever they're they introduce the characters essentially when they yeah. arrive to Asteroid mm-hmm. City. Yeah, that I, was I don't know. One. I really that he's just very good of of it, the shots aren't that complicated, but they are. Like I don't know. I, I guess like it's it, they're very they look very simple, but to put everything exactly where it needs to go and like have all the cues met, have like every character where they yeah. need to be, like it's insanely complex, but it looks simple. Like he makes it look very simple like i don't know i don't like it's Which very is why everyone has there's this misconception that you can just hop on tiktok and make a minute long video where oh they're recreating wes anderson's style no they're not like not completely like i'm looking just on imdb there's a one of that polka dot sunshine it's it's you know people just sitting at a table you know there but then like Steve Carell's friend, you know, he's bringing in some like sparklers or whatever, mm-hmm. that which was just hilarious, you know, just giving right. people sparklers. Um, but then like it's there's other people that I don't even recognize these characters at all actually in the movie, but they're just just sitting back there in a table that's behind them, but they're perfectly in between the two like two people who are in front of frame. Yep. And then you there's a guy in the back on a ladder fixing the roof of one of the things I didn't even notice right now. Mm-hmm. But, like, everyone is perfect. There's a dude. Did like, you notice the guy who just kept popping up? There's a character in the background almost all the time. He looks really? like he's got gla- he's got sunglasses and, a, and, like, a fedora on. He looks like a detective uh, undercover spy sort of guy. He even... There's a moment whenever Tom Hanks goes and like walks into Scarlett Johansson's house and he like peeks in through the door for a second and Tom Hanks like looks right at him and then he just like walks out of frame. And it's like a yeah. That guy's in a lot more of the movie than you think. Um yeah, what? That was really weird. Yeah, Tom when he walked in there in like yeah, that guy followed him. Did he follow him in? Just Yeah, walked right in, peeked in. Tom Hanks looks right at him and is just kind of confused, and then he walks out. Huh. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to think of... Yeah, you're I, speaking to the background stuff, and he just kind of... I can't picture him in my head. I'm trying to, like... It, in I, the it, diner scene, when Midge and uh, Augie meet, he's sitting in the corner reading a newspaper. He's the only other person in there. Um, Sunglass. Okay, I'm looking at one shot, and it's whenever they're sending beer bottles up, and then Lee of Schreider's shooting them with his son's like little invention. Yeah, and it looks go. like there's a guy in a fedora, sunglasses. That he's the guy launching them, like loading oh, no the kidding. beer up. Yeah. Um, if that's him, I don't know. I'm just going through random pictures. That was the first kind of guy that fit the description. But it might, well, that it, like he, he he looks like somebody who is undercover. Like he's not supposed to be there. Almost is kind of the vibe. Oh my god! Yeah, in the back of the whenever he whenever uh, Augie takes the picture mm-hmm. in the diner, he's he's just sitting back there in the booth, 
like looking at him, like listening into the conversation. I remember that now. Yes, yeah. he was like listening in and like, okay. De- oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I think that's probably just, uh, like, uh, the government, you know, like, yeah, I think it's supposed it's, to just be like a little watch secret government base, you know, like they know this asteroid's here. They, you know, or whatever, they're trying to detect aliens. So, like, they need like a secret undercover guy to just see what's going on around the town. Yeah, no, I, I, it was just interesting. Uh, and I don't know if there will be any yeah. more like, uh, reasoning with it, you know, mm-hmm. like if there'll be, like, this is why uh, he was here. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see because, like, that's, that's a dude in the play, you know? Yeah. Is he, is he supposed to be in the play? You know, they all, they, they just kind of look at him confused when he walks onto, walks into stage and they, and then walks out. They're just kind of like, oh, that's, that's weird. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, it was just interesting. I didn't know what to make of it, but I wanted to point it out. Um, hmm. but, uh, let's do scene next. Um, mm. favorite scene. I already went over mine a bit and I've gone over it in detail multiple times, but you know, whenever it cuts to black and white in act three, um, whenever he walks behind stage and he talks to Adrian Brody for a bit, and then he talks to Margot Robbie hands down, just hands down. My favorite bit there. Uh, just trying to find anything that could go up to that level. Like, I mean, that's, that's the crux of the move. That's like what yeah. everything's building towards. That's the reason the movie ends up being as good as it is. And I'm like a fun scene. If I'm just picking one, that's like fun. I really liked um, after the alien came down, and then you have what's her name in Stranger Things. I think she played the teacher in here. Yeah, um, like her trying to give her the class afterwards. You know, being like, oh, "All right, I'm song. just gonna just gonna do my thing." Yeah, and then like, "Hey, I made the UFO. I drew the alien on his home planet. I wrote a song I wrote for a him." Song. Yeah, like, I, and then just uh, well, they, <laughs> they set up the camera and they were like waiting, like. Uh, I guess that part I didn't really fully understand, but like they were setting up a TV, but then it also had like a camera on it. Like they were talking, yeah. they were it about to talk to, to the parents who had arrived, um, who were getting debriefed about the situation. <laughs> that makes it even better. So and then they like, like, it boots up and they're performing a song. They're like, Oh, our alien brother up hmm. and they haven't, you know, like it's like, what the fuck are we even doing here, yeah. man? No, yeah, I, oh, I, I, guess, I guess that's also when, uh, Montana delivers that line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. It was like a. I guess it's not up to that, that level. That was one of the stories that I kind of wish we would have got a little bit more expansion on. Was Maya Hawk and Rupert Friend's romance Ooh, that kind of yeah. kindled? Yeah, I thought yeah. like they did so little with it, and even so, it was still very, very like it put a smile on my face whenever they were like dancing around during the song and stuff. I was like, you know, it made me really happy, and uh, it was just an interesting little choice to have that so minor in the story and it still resonates so so that's kind of how he deals with love or sex or anything Mm. it's like he won't show it on screen you know but it's just it's just implied like yeah 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 it's just it's just implied that they they you know they got down you know and and then like in french dispatch um trying to remember characters names yeah zeffirelli and kremens yeah like it's just he didn't show it, but it's like they're in bed right next to each other. It's like, all right, yep, we get the idea. You know, it's like I think that's kind of how he deals with. No, and it's it's almost movies. pretty compelling, man. There's that. There's a, uh, you know, uh, sh- another contender for my favorite scene would have been 
the actor who plays Augie visiting Ed Norton's character at his cabin. That just that whole scene Ooh, where he's, he's presenting that is him pretty good. Um, and you know he gets into character. He takes things from the apartment and gets into character, and then he's <laughs> like, uh, he walks in, and <laughs> he presents a whole monologue, and then yeah. he's like, "You're perfect." Mm-hmm. And and he's just like, "Yep," takes off his pants, and they start kissing. Like I'm like, I fucking love that man. That was that was incredible, and uh, hmm. I just I just adored it. I fucking love Jason Schwartzman too. I can't emphasize that enough. So uh, maybe we go into performance next, or unless yeah. you have a scene you want to nail down. Yeah, I I mean, because if I was going to pick the scene that I came out of the movie with was kind of the whenever he walks out of all the chaos and he does go through that, you know, breath of fresh air moment. Um, I don't think anything really stacks up to that other year. Maybe that's that's the one that could, though, is that first interaction that Ed Norton and uh, Jason Schwartzman have in mm. there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's awesome, the, the best scenes of the movie, not in black and white. City. It's the black and white part of the movie. Yeah, I think I like that. So we can have both, like, two black mm. and white scenes in it. Cause, yeah, okay, technically I three. I kind of broke the rules here, but... Ah, ah you know. Ah. Uh, but what what to call that scene? Uh, You're perfect. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, that that kind of... And I'm like, uh, what was, what was Ed Norton's character's name? I just keep, uh, Conrad Earp. Conrad Earp. And the, the idea of that was that he was, he was writing, he was still writing the play, right? Not fully finished, but looking for, um, like why was, um, Jason Schwartzman there in the first place. Cause he was like, no, tell him to come back tomorrow morning. Actually, you know, like I'm, I'm not ready yet for this. Um, I, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was like uh he hadn't nailed down a lead actor or if he had nailed down a lead actor and he couldn't, he couldn't think of a place to take the story. Um, mm. like he was having trouble writing a specific piece of dialogue or something. And then Augie just comes in and dominates it. Um, and he's like, yep, that's it. That's going to be it. Um, okay. I'll just... Cause it's kind of like an... Like, uh, it wasn't supposed to be an audition, but he just sort of made it his own audition. You right. know, like it felt like... So, I, I guess... Uh, but his name's not actually... Is that... No, his name's something else, but I can't actually remember. Actually, Augie. But I was like just going to put, like, odd. Augie's audition or something yeah. like that. Um, the audition. Damn, that's pretty good. The audition. I'm, I'm putting that down. It's going down in there. I love it. Love it. But uh, yeah. Okay. I like that. No, that was a goodie. The let's two black let's, and whites. Um, yeah, I love that. Let's do performance next. Mine. Uh, I had a tough time deciding between. I think there's two obvious candidates, and that's Scarlett Johansson and uh, Jason Schwartzman. And I had a tough time nailing it down. But you know what? I decided. You know, what? I, I've given Jason Schwartzman a ton of love. I'm going to go ahead and keep on doing that. So I just went ahead and gave Jason Schwartzman the, the favorite, uh, favorite performance in this movie as well. Um, mostly because, you know, there's this interesting connection to his first role ever in Max Fisher, uh, in Rushmore, uh, the, the kid who wrote a bunch of plays and, uh, was dealing with the, the passing of his mother and, uh, do, doing all the, it was, it's interesting to see him come kind of full circle in this way yeah. and come back to Asteroid City. 
in a uh, in a role where he's reckoning with a lot of the same stuff, but as an older man and not a young child. And that's a uh, that's super fucking cool, you know. And I think that this performance is so vastly different than anything he's done before. You know, you look at Rushmore, you look at Darjeeling, you look at uh, you look at anything he's been in before, and it's nothing like Asteroid City. I don't think he's got a a grizzled sort of vibe that he just doesn't present mm-hmm. anywhere else. You know, uh, even when they go to black and white, he doesn't present that vibe. You know, like it's a very specific performance he's putting on as Augie, and I, I adored it. So, like, uh, I, I wanted to give Jason Schwartzman some love because mm. I don't know if I'll go with him for character. Haven't decided, but I know that I know that I'm going with him for performance because he was just so damn good. Yeah, and I was, I mean, it was between the two of them. That's for sure, Scarlett and, and Jason. It feels weird to just call them by their first names, oh, right? Really right. Um, but I was, I'm definitely between the two of them, and the reason I'm going with Scarlett Johansson is because it was her first, like Wes. This is I don't know her just coming out. And doing this as her first time, it felt like she was she's kind of been in other Wes Anderson movies before. Right. I don't know. Um, and uh, and I just it just blew me away that how well she fit into this world already. Um, and I just I like uh, her laying in the bathtub. Like I remember, like there was just a lot of scenes with her in it that were like. Obviously and not. Chemistry was incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they they were just playing off each other so well, and like even with their rehearsing, um, the nude like scene. help me help me yeah help me rehearse and he, um I I do a nude scene. Do you want to see it? And he just kind of stares at her for a while, and she goes, and then he goes, yeah. I, I I meant yes. Yeah. Did I say uh-huh. yes? Did I say, Did that, I out say that out loud? <laughs> it's like yeah. Um, but then like even whenever it's like uh. Maybe it's right then and there. Maybe it's a little later, but they're rehearsing again, and she's like, well, well now I, I knock everything off the shelves. And he's like, well, knock everything off the shelves. And he goes, and breaks the light, you know, or whatever. Like, I don't know. They, those Another just were, really poignant moment whenever she goes, use it. Mm. Use your grief. Mm. It works in the play, Yeah, but she knows the actor is probably going through some similar shit. You know, like it's, so she goes, use it. And he, and he like kind of breaks and you're kind of like, it's because the actor is breaking. It's not the character who's breaking. You know, it's a, it's a fascinating movie, man, about how art and, you know, passion can get you through the toughest of times, you know, the photography or the acting or the play or the science or the, you know, the experiments, you know, it's all of it just boosts these characters and it's so fucking fun to watch man like i i might fucking see it again this afternoon man i'm that i'm that high off of it Um, it is so good but yeah scarlet as her first uh coming in here and being a part of a west movie i i don't know i hope uh I don't know. I don't know how much more West has in the tank, but I feel I hope it's for a long, long time. There's there's like two or three movies he's already confirmed to be developing. It's awesome. I yep. I am so glad. Like I just I we need will him. be there. I need him to keep going, and I hope. I don't know. He's he's obviously found his core group, but uh, I I feel like this is expanded. I don't know. There, oh, there's yeah. a lot more people in. Like uh, I just always forget her name, but uh, yeah, Maya Hawk. I feel like, uh, oh yeah, she'll be. I, I, 
I didn't think of her as like a Wes Anderson like to fit in, but she she fit in just perfectly. Fascinating uh, that she gets a role in a Wes Anderson movie before either of her stellar actor parents, Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. She's she's the I, daughter of Uma Thurman. I think you've told me that Hawk. before, and I, I it just didn't stick. But I'm it's that wow that's yeah that's I didn't even know they Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. Or like a, a child. Know, yeah, yeah. Or that that's a thing. No, they did. Maya Hawk's incredible. And uh she did real good in this movie. I think she's she's almost certainly a staple from here on in for for Wes. Uh I'm hoping Scarlett Johansson is. But that's the other thing. We've seen so many just ins and outs. Someone shows up and then they're never in another Wes Anderson yeah. movie, but they killed it. Uh, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow and Royal I mean Royal Tendenbaum's had a few of them. Gene Hackman, Ben Stiller, uh Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm. Um there's uh there, there's a few later too where I'm just like they just show up they dominate and you know sometimes they come back sometimes they don't I'm hoping ScarJo does um, because she was she was real good in this um, yeah yeah I really I really liked it and I don't want to take away from Jason Jason Schwartzman's <laughs> performance no. at all like they they they, they, a, they are both like these and that's what's crazy like, is that the amount of performances in this movie that are fucking incredible is is impressive. And it's even more impressive that these two shine so blatantly above the others. Like Adrian Brody's role in this yeah. small, but one of his best in, in Wes Anderson movies, uh, Brian Cranston. I know that he's got a very straightforward role, but that's not an easy one to pull off, mm-hmm. you know, and he does it very, very well. Um, Tilda Swinton, Jeffrey Wright. They're not, they're not as big, but goddamn, are they playing that character to perfection? And, uh, Tom Hanks as well. Tom like, Hanks, man. Yeah. Like there's, I, that that's the thing is that like people want the more ca- single character focused sort of stuff but it just doesn't allow for for this to happen like this is mm-hmm. like just such a beautiful way to allow all of Actors this great talent just to go oh man yeah. um well and that's the thing too is that they're not just going like they do have a th- like they have something mm-hmm. to accomplish in this style and True. like they're not improvising it's a challenge it's yeah. not it's not easy you know yeah. like and that's what's even more compelling about it is watching them do this thing that can't be easy for them you know this isn't like anything they act in otherwise and that's what's that's what's always super compelling to me about it but i like that the two leads get get the nods here out of jason schwartzman and scar joe but uh how about character? I'm having a tough time with this one. I'm either uh, going. I like Woodrow. Love me some um, Woodrow. Good kid. Brainiac. Um, Returning for uh, I think the first time since Moonrise Kingdom, Jake Ryan. Wait, really? Uh, yeah, he, he was, was a kid. Was he he one was of the, the younger oh, brother. Okay. He was the younger brother of uh, Susie, yeah, the one who was like, yeah. "You're a traitor to our family." You remember that kid? That's <laughs> okay. Lionel. I yeah, guess Lionel. Is the name. He's also in Isle of Dogs. Junior interpreter ah. Ernie, I guess. Um, ah. Ah. Don't remember. But but yeah, no, I I really liked Woodrow. That's one I'm in between. Um, I was also just thinking Augie as well. I didn't give him the performance, but but like yeah. I mean, that's if you're gonna take a character out of the movie. I mean, I I feel like Augie is is the main character here. Oh yeah. So I mean, I'm. It's probably either Woodrow or Augie. Um, the only Woodrow's a lot just small. I think he just had scenes 
that I, I, I found very cute and that I found very comforting, yeah. I guess. But, but I think for the movie itself overall, I think Augie has to – he'll get it from me. Uh, so I can also give Jason Schwartzman's a nod as well here because, I mean, that's – at least on first watch, that's the part of the, the movie that I, I love the most was mm. – was uh Midge and, and Augie just their their story and like I wanted I wanted just to go back to them talking in the windows like just back and forth like uh whenever it was there it was a nice part of the movie um so yeah I think I think I'll, I'll go with Augie uh for my I character. dig that I, I dig I, that I think on on second watch it might transfer to Woodrow I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I love just at the end there with Woodrow, like he's showing him like they're, what do you write in that little notebook of yours, man? And then he's like, oh my God, is that, is that even possible? They're like, they're like, oh my, they just, they had to see like the blueprint out or like the plans for something, right. what it is. But, uh, like they, they kind of made it seem that there was like a, there could be a, another yeah. like, second movie to this, almost, right. you know, but I don't think. I don't think he'll ever get there. I don't. I don't know if he'll. You know, he, he doesn't seem to be one for sequels. Um, nah, I can't imagine he would do that. Um, but there's just always so much more to tell. There's always so many more stories. You know, he did. He did this one. He might as well go on to something else. And mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, like, I'd almost feel disappointed to get a sequel to a Wes Anderson movie. I'd be like, oh, there's so many more stories for you to tell, man. Go ahead and do something else. But uh, you know, I'd never complain. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank God, I finally got a space alien one for from Wes, and I'm yeah. like, I like yeah. if there is a sequel, I'd be okay with it because it's it's my you know kind of where I like like the story, but right, uh, I do. Nah, agree. man, I and, I adored this, and uh, I think for my favorite character, I'm I'm actually going to end up going Tom Hanks as Stanley Zach. I think that's what I'm actually going to do. Man. I think that he saw a really interesting journey as a character. Uh, I loved when Tom Hanks was on screen in this man, and uh, he. He did an incredible job, you know. The and car exploded. Like that, that yeah. first phone call they had. I'm not like, there. You're not here. I'm not there. You know, like that that whole thing where they're going back and forth. It's it's just I, I love it, man. And they again, just somehow mm. Wes Anderson takes these actors and makes them like that's, that's how you know he's got a he's got a hand uh, a, a knack for this. Mm. That like these actors have never acted off each other before, as far as I know, and their chemistry is just like like immediate it's incredible yeah yeah but yeah i went stanley zach uh for my favorite character i love the journey that character went on yeah i didn't notice it really first watch at all i think maybe i just was distracted by everything else that's going there's on. a lot like going on. yeah i can't wait to watch it again and like just focus on on all these characters and just also just now i know where the movie's going you know i think that's Mm. that's a common west thing it's a thing i've said after every time i've watched one of his movies i'm like well i was along for the ride you know and now that i'm thinking about it now i'm you know relishing in the movie like ah just realizing how good it was um and yeah i think this one just follows suit as well it's like uh, speaking to that how good it is let's give this bad boy a rating what do you say i think i'm ready yeah i mean that enjoyment it, it kind of has a different uh vibe to it this time because i mean we did see it in a theater. we saw it in theaters which like, helps it, it boosts out it. like yeah this just came out we've been waiting for this moment for quite some time we've watched every west movie in, in you know anticipation uh, yeah so there there is that maybe we should try and uh to let that go but i don't know i i 
I'll confidently tell you, I'll confidently tell you, it's not my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Okay. You know, I, I, I have no doubt about that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, and I think that maybe that changes with rewatches, but off first watch, that's, it's not the case. Um, you'll find if you go to like my letterbox that I gave this a five star rating on letterboxd. You'll find that I gave Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest Hotel, Darjeeling Limited, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Like, you'll find I gave all those five-star reviews, you know? So, like, it's, it, I, I rate things a little differently over there than I do on the podcast. But uh, uh, this isn't far from a 10. I don't think it's a f- surefire 10, though, for me in enjoyment. Mm. I do think it's north of 9. Easy. Like, the 10s we have given, French Dispatch and Moonrise. I believe are the only tens. Yes, the next closest, Grand Budapest at a nine seven five. I think I enjoy this. If not, saying French Dispatch was a ten makes me want to give this a ten. But uh, a nine seven five or even a nine five, like nine five or higher, is where I'm at. I feel me. I'm more at like nine seven five. This is like okay. I'm I'm putting it at the same level as Grand Budapest. I I see this as becoming. One of my favorites, if not my mm-hmm. favorite over time. Like I, I, I could, I could see it like, getting there. I mean, it's just in my vein. Like I, I, I love aliens. I love space. But then also, I really loved every time that he told his story through a medium and like a different mm. medium. And this one was like just the most immaculate meta. Just breaks your brain to even think about. You know, like I, I don't know. This one was was just a, a roller coaster and I, I loved it. Um and I think it's it's only going to get better. And like so I'm I think you're like I, I could be at a ten, I think. Yeah. Um but I I do see like uh I like nine seven five or nine five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think I would go nine seven five. Um, I'm cool with that. I'm one hundred percent cool with that. You know, like I uh, I wanted to be I didn't want recency bias to come into too much effect for me, but I think that, you know, with you, it's, it's, a, you know, all of these have been first watches. They're all recency. They're all recency, you know? So like, it's like, I can, I can more confidently go with that if that's how you feel, you know? And, uh, I was, I mean, it just had everything. Like, I mean, everything that I want out of a West movie, I'm visually stimulated the whole time. Like that is without question. The performances are ungodly. The story, I just love because it's like just sci-fi alien. Like I love that shit. And then, but then also just the the comedy as well. Like it was funny. Like this was like it was very enjoyable the whole time. Like there was never the only part of this movie that I didn't enjoy was how badly I needed to pee at the end. And I was <laughs> thinking like I'm an idiot for not going pee before this movie started. Right. Um, and that, so like, that's literally the only like gripe or bad experience I had during this, but it was just, like, I, I adored it. And so. I think it was damn well done, you know, like when it comes to a critical rating, I, I mean, I think that, I think it's extremely well written. I think it's extremely well performed. You know, I think any qualms I might have had with writing would be negated with a second viewing. You know, I think a second viewing would be like, oh, yeah, of course, duh. You know, and I can't even think of a qualm I had with the writing straight off the top of my head. You know, I don't, uh, I thought it was visually brilliant. I thought the score was fucking incredible. I love Alexander Desplat. He's a 
fucking incredible composer and he's done grand budapest french dispatch this like dude's got a fuck he, he knows that wes anderson sound and we we got another good evolution mm. of that here um robert yeoman was at the top of his game again with the cinematography like maybe maybe might be the best looking movie wes has ever done um it was very nice very very pleasing like every shot that was in here was well and there's so little that's you know grand budapest had this thing where it was like there's stuff where you can tell there's like a mixed medium going on or it's like oh well that's some of that's visual effects this feels very very overwhelmingly practical like there's not a lot you could have done here that's not in frame the alien and even then that's a miniature that you can like i'm trying to think of of things that just weren't like that were clearly okay well that's stop motion yeah, or the alien the peacock or not is the that peacock, it uh, uh, roadrunner roadrunner yeah. yeah is that it i think that's it like the nuclear explosion but even that looked like the the like cotton balls yeah that, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's no, I, you know it was most of this movie was just there i mean the the zapper the <laughs> yeah some yeah. of the uh the jet pack you know yeah. some of the science ex- experiments were a little bit like that but <laughs> Beyond that, man, yeah, the superimposing the initials on the moon. <laughs> yeah, cute. the American flag at first, you know, like it, you yeah. just you see him load in a little picture, and then like, like what's that going to do? And then he just, I don't know that that was that was pretty funny. And then, was. nah, man, I, it's a it's a damn good one. You know, the more I talked about it, the more I thought it, the better I thought it was. Um, I'm sitting about as high as we've ever been. You know, I think this is deserving of a, a nine five. You know, nine seven five even tying it with Grand Budapest. I think it's that's uh, interesting. Grand Budapest at a nine seven five. I feel like Grand Budapest is. I don't know how better, but barely better. Yeah, no, I think the I think Overall. it's just the story. You know, like the story is a little bit more cohesive compelling and not mm-hmm. as oh i have to dig into this to figure out what it's trying to say no grand budapest yeah. it's kind of there you, you just have to watch it and you'll see it this one you kind of have to dig through and talk about so i think that a, i think that a nine five even a nine two five i'd be okay with you know i just think that visually this movie elevates itself in such a way and i i can't emphasize enough how much i enjoyed that score um and the performances man like it's uh it's it's damn good, you know. So I'm left in a place where I'm I'm high on it. Nine two five nine five. If we give it a nine five, it averages it out to a nine five eight or a ninety six, um, which is right below uh, Grand Budapest and Moonrise. Um, uh-huh. Which that's uh, that's where I have it mentally. Mm-hmm. Which I do, oh. I do think. Let's see, nine two five. Would bump it down to a nine four two, uh, which is still just right below uh, Moonrise and Grand Budapest, um, but a little bit closer to French Dispatch, which is at a nine overall, and then nine two five for Darjeeling. So, is it a little closer to Darjeeling and and French Dispatch, or or to French? My gut after first watch is closer to French Dispatch and Darjeeling. 
I think that with rewatches, it will grow to be Moonrise Grand Budapest level. I think it's fair. Like you, you, you shouldn't need that rewatch, you know, to mm-hmm. to make a movie good. And I think it doesn't. It doesn't make it good. It just enhances yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah. So I think I think nine two five. I'm cool with that. Here, um, for it, which a nine four two. That's uh, I mean. That's quite yeah, I mean, kind. I, yeah, I, I, I really, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this. I, I knew I was going to, going into it. I mean, I, it was just the first West movie I've seen in theaters, which was going to, no matter what was on screen, it could have been the biggest steaming pile of shit, and I still would have been like, I don't care. I saw. I it loved it. it. I loved I saw, it. Yeah. I saw it in theaters. Um, it was. It's. We've been waiting for this, but like, no, it, it, it wasn't that. It was a, the complete opposite of a steaming pile of shit. It was amazing and i love yeah. i loved everything about it we are far kinder than both imdb and rotten tomatoes uh imdb at a 7.1 out of 10 asteroid city on rotten tomatoes at a 76 critically 61 audience score uh, a little bit uh probably the most polarizing film he's had let's check out the letterboxed here asteroid city coming in at a 3.7 out of 5 so uh Seven four, falling in line with about what IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes has given it. Of note, I follow Jared Gilman, the star of Moonrise Kingdom, mm-hmm. on Letterboxd. He gave this film a five out of five. Um, mm. so that's uh, he knows that's the only up. opinion that matters. Yeah, he knows uh, what's up. Yeah, he does. But uh, man, I I can't believe it's I can't believe it's done. Can't believe we finished Wes Anderson. I'm sad. Know. You know, like I, know. I wish I had more Wes Anderson to watch, but I'm officially out of Wes Anderson to watch. Um, we'll get there eventually again. Eventually, you know, we'll have more. The uh, the day will come, and I cannot wait for that day. Yeah, now yep. we can we can just add to it. Just keep, but, keep talking man, about this, it. This was just a blast. Like, ah, oh, dude, favorite favorite project we've done so far with ease mm. for me. Um, oh yeah, taking about oh, yeah. five and a half weeks just talking all Wes Anderson. That's fucking electric. And we're gonna continue our director spotlight next week as we hotly anticipate Oppenheimer directed by christopher nolan we got the prestige next week um we got mm-hmm. uh dunkirk the week after that mm-hmm. and then tenet the week after that mm-hmm. and then we're talking oppenheimer so uh we got three movies in anticipation of oppenheimer not nowhere near the 10 that we did for mm-hmm. wes anderson but we've already talked a lot of christopher nolan you know we talked uh interstellar and inception in our 52 mm-hmm. year journey through film we plan on talking Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises for our comic book movie project. We weren't left with many <laughs> options, so we had to we had to go ahead and uh, limit it down. Maybe one day, whenever there's another Christopher Nolan movie coming out, we talk Memento, and maybe we revisit mm-hmm. Inception and Interstellar a few years removed instead mm-hmm. of one year removed. It might be a you know a little bit more space between that coverage, but uh, nah, man, I'm I'm so excited for that. Um, I'm looking forward to everything that, that, that comes with, um, you know, and I'm, I'm just ecstatic. I'm very excited for this project and I'm so happy that we've, we've completed this part. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, we've, yeah. we've done the Wes Anderson and that's, that's so, that's so fulfilling, man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, with that, if you would head to patreon.com slash penny bloom pod, where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, including all sorts of of book reviews, comic book reviews, movie reviews, and the like. For a dollar fifty, you can get all written reviews uh, by me, which is a lot of fun. I love me some writing. 
Um, head to, uh, uh, to the $3 tier if you want the audio content and fictional works, which I'm very excited about. Uh, next week, July 1st, I'm putting out a little short story I'm very, very happy with and I'm very excited to share. And that'll be over there for $3 a month. You can support this podcast financially, which is huge because it costs me money. And I don't make any off of it unless it's over there. Head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. Remember to leave a five star rate and review wherever it is you might be listening. And to, you know, if, if you were just joining us for the first time for the Wes Anderson show, uh, because Asteroid City just came out and you're excited, you want to listen to it, can't recommend enough revisiting his entire filmography and maybe listening to us talk about it. You know, it's a, uh, it was so fun. It was so fulfilling and we had so much fun doing it. Uh, but Christopher Nolan is next, baby. We're doing the prestige next week, and I, I can't wait for that. Uh, we're doing a Game of Thrones rewatch right now. Um, season four, episode four was earlier this week. Season four, episode five is next. We are picking up our comic book journey through film once again this Friday. We are continuing it with the pile of dog shit that is Catwoman. <laughs> um, ironically yeah. enough, pile of dog shit. Um <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, that'll be that it's a lot of fun. It's a fun episode even if you don't you do not have to watch the movie to listen to that one. Um maybe I'd recommend, recommend to it. not actually. Yeah, yeah I think uh, you might well, no. No. You need to know the bad. We learned from Wes. Yes. You need, you the good and the bad need to coexist. Be aware. Yeah. Yes. So maybe yes, actually no. do watch it. Do watch that. <laughs> uh but remember, I was Colton Robertson and I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And peace, love, and bloom. And you can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. <laughs>